0: All right. Welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. Jake will be uh, joining me shortly, but uh, I'm going to start it off uh, solo. Um, Jake will be in, in a, just a few minutes. Um, before we get started, I want to thank Wisco Ball for making, for making some new merch for us. I got the old school Wisco Fanatics shirt on today, but um, we got new ones over at Wisco Ball. So if you go to wiscoball.com backslash Wisco Fanatics, you can actually find um some t-shirts for the show and we're gonna have hoodies coming soon so we're excited for that but um, uh, we have lots of brewers games to talk about today which i'm gonna start with uh, I'll talk about the brewers and cardinals second game from last week before jake hops on um and then we have badgers new mexico state and a badgers ohio state preview today which is going to be interesting to talk about jake and i are going to kind of change up the way we do uh the score prediction segment so that'll be uh interesting i suppose to say the least but i'm gonna i'm gonna run through this Brewers cardinals game and jake will be joining me for the yankees series but um so going with this Brewers cardinals game it was the second of two games against st louis in st louis uh the cardinals will be in milwaukee for two games um early next week but brewers got bases loaded in the first inning couldn't push a run across um burns went one two three through the first inning tyrone taylor hit a sacrifice fly that got the brewers a one nothing lead Arenado tied it in the bottom of the second and then a uh, Yadier Molina single made it two to one Cardinals. The Brewers loaded the bases again in the fourth inning um, and no runs, a solo shot in the bottom of the fifth, made it three to one Cardinals. And then the Brewers left two more runners on in the sixth. They left a total of 12 runners on base. Andrew McCutcheon was the only player without a hit in this game. Um, just came down to too many runners stranded and zero for nine with runners in scoring position. Um, Corbin Burns pitched seven innings. He did give up three earned runs um, on seven hits and a walk, five strikeouts. It's not a bad start. It's just not quite what we expect from Corbin Burns. Obviously, we know what happened in his next start, but we'll get to that. Um, Brewers struck out 10 times in this game. Obviously, I've been keeping a pretty close eye on how often the Brewers strike out and how it correlates to wins and losses. But um, before we go on to the Yankees series, I kind of want to put this question out there. Um, because we are getting to like the last two weeks of the season, last week and a half of the season, I want to pose the question to anybody watching, listening, comment on the videos, um, or send us a message, whatever comment on any of the the related posts. But how do you evaluate the success or failure of teams? So I want to know what makes a manager successful or not successful or a head coach or, or um managers. So essentially does it come down to just wins and losses? Does it come down to winning games that you shouldn't have won or losing games you shouldn't have lost? Um does it come from um making great decisions like the one that Craig Council made today, or you know, looking back and seeing bad decisions? Do injuries play a factor in these things? How how is the general perception for determining winning and losing for the show runners, for head coaches, management. Um, and then I want to ask the same question for general managers, whether it be a head of baseball operations or general managers or um, a president of a team. Um, does it come down to getting the right players? Does it come down to trade deadline acquisitions or trade deadline Not acquisitions, which I think is important to discuss this year with David Stearns not making uh, moves at the trade deadline for the Brewers because it resulted in um, not paying for players who aren't aren't performing well. Uh, It's something I've brought up. Um, Simon, Jake will be on shortly. He said to give him 10 minutes, and that was five minutes ago. So I expect Jake to be on in a a couple minutes here. Um, But I want to put that out there. And then when it comes to players, so – when it comes to players, does it matter just strictly production? Does it matter about being better than average, uh, better than league averages? Or um, does it come to outperforming salary or um, not dealing with injuries? Because we know Jake and I say one of the best availabilities or one of the best abilities is availability. I just, I'm just i just kind of curious what people's perception is on these things when it comes to uh, success or failure or failure to meet expectations. At each, of these, um, at each of these positions just because we're going to be coming up to the end of brewery season soon. Um, and these things are going to be stuff that Jake and I want to talk about in the offseason. Um, we're not going to be talking about whether or not Craig Council and David Stearns are getting fired two weeks before the season and the Brewers just came off a win and they're still fighting for a playoff spot. So, you know, that's something that Jake and I want to discuss in the off season. So just want to get people's thoughts on that as we get closer to Closer to Bucks season, which actually is worth bringing up. Um, the Bucks have their media day on Sunday, so hopefully we can get some some news on the Bucks on Sunday. Um, they play in the Abu Dhabi game. I'm not sure exactly what day that is, but they're playing against the Hawks in Abu Dhabi. So there's their um, training camp can actually start two days earlier, so the Bucks can actually start training camp on Sunday. Um, so actually, that'll be. Actually, it'll be Saturday, but the Bucks media day is going to be Sunday. Um, so hopefully we can get some answers on, on Jordan Wara, uh, maybe what some of the rotations are going to look like at shooting guard and small forward. So that's um, Sunday that that media day is coming up. But we're getting close to Badger basketball season. Um, Badger football season is going to ramp up in a big way starting this Saturday. Um, but we're going to stick with the Brewers. So going to Brewers-Yankees game one. This was probably, probably the best game of the last week. Um, Yankee jumped out to a real quick five, nothing lead. Um, basically Hauser didn't have his best stuff. Um, ended up giving up four walks in his three innings pitch, four walks and seven hits, um, four runs, five runs total, only had the one strikeout, which isn't really his thing anyways. Um, so the Yankees grab a quick 5-0 lead in the first two innings. Brewers cut it to 5-3 in the bottom of the second. Um, actually, in that first inning as well, the Yankees stranded the bases loaded. Um, Willie Adamas tied Robin Yelts' shortstop record on Robin Yelts' birthday. That's <laughs> just It's one of those things where it's like, man, eh, baseball. Uh, so a ground rule double by Willie Adamas again. Um, opposite field ground rule double, which I think is worth mentioning because I keep bringing up um opposite field hitting is something that potentially could help the Brewers um, and a sacrifice fly by Roddy Telez tied the game at five. I want to bring up Garrett Mitchell and his first three at bats in this game. Even before we get farther on uh, Garrett Mitchell in his first three at bats was over two with a walk. Now in those three at bats, Garrett Mitchell saw over 30 pitches, those three at bats. So while he was over two with a walk at that point, Grinding out those at-bats, that's something that will help the Brewers in the long run, um, not necessarily only for Gary Mitchell himself, but seeing more pitches, kind of capitalizing and waiting on those mistakes, um, and just not striking out just for the sake of you know swinging at bad pitches. Um, one of the other things that I talked about was if the Brewers could strike out less would be by defending the strike zone with two strikes, um, and that's something that Gary Mitchell was doing, like I said, those 30 pitches, in those first three at-bats. Um, Omar Narvaez had his first multi-hit game since July 30th um, in the first game of that Yankees series. Granted, he spent some time on the injured list, but it's good to see Omar Narvaez bouncing back. He's a guy that could, if he gets hot, really help the Brewers as they, they're they in this playoff push. Uh, Strzecki and Topa <clears throat> and Hobie Milner, all pitch scoreless appearances. Brad Boxberger... Uh, Threw a nasty, nasty change up to strikeout. I'm not even, I don't even remember who the third strikeout that he got was, but a one, two, three, seventh inning. And getting to the eighth inning, I want to give Craig Council credit for this eighth inning because Aaron Judge, um, I don't remember who the second batter in that order was. And then I think it was John Carlos Stanton. I think it was Aaron Judge, John Carlos Stanton. And, oh man, I don't remember who the third batter was, but it was top three in the Yankees order starting in that eighth inning. Um, and Craig Council decided to go with Devin Williams in the eighth inning instead of the ninth. Um, greetings from Greece into Milwaukee and all in the state of Wisconsin. This is this is cool when I see this. I think this is really cool to see that people from Greece are watching the show. It's really cool. Um, I get a kick out of that. Um, I'm sure Jake will, too. What up? We got greetings from Greece again. He still hasn't told oh. us his name. We asked I remember him watching a, a while back and we were we wanted to know how to pronounce his name. But Yeah. Right now he's the guy from Greece, which is cool that somebody <laughs> was watching our show from Greece.
1: You know what? I, I that's not a bad nickname, the guy from Greece. Greece sounds like a cool place to visit, you know? So I, I'd be okay with that nickname if I was from Greece.
0: All right. So right now I'm at the oh. I'm at the eighth inning of the first game of the Yankee series. I talked about the first, the last game of the Cardinals um, two game yeah, fuck, stretch there, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so Devin Williams got two strikeouts versus the top three in that order um, from the Yankees. And then Garrett Mitchell yeah. played hero, got that rocket right back up the middle um, and won yeah. the game for the Brewers. So I want to give, I want to give you a chance to give me your thoughts on the first game of that Yankee series series. Because that was arguably the best game of this of this last week. Um Taylor Rodgers did give up a one run home run um that tied the game at six. But um yeah, we'll, we'll put we'll put Minute Maid on the sponsor list. Um Hey, you should. I love that shit, man. <laughs> hey, well you're while you're talking about this game, I'll write it down. Um so Rodgers gave up a run to tie it that brought the game to the bottom of the ninth. Um yep. But being down 5 nothing and coming all the way back to win 7-6, to six, completed the largest comeback of the season for the Brewers. It was a five-run comeback. So um, I gave all of my thoughts. Go ahead and give all your thoughts on the first game from that Yankee series, Jake. Uh, yep. So key notes
1: from this game. You just covered it down 5-0 to zero. to come back against a team like the Yankees. Again, shows the potential of this team. Um Garrett Mitchell with a big time hit. You talked about that. Uh Renfro, Adamas and Narvaez all had doubles in this game on top of the home run from Adamas. Um Adamus was straight up point blank period. He was in RBI machine this week. Um he's still
0: I got, I got some stats. If Christopher's watching, he's gonna enjoy me. I'm gonna be the stat man today. <laughs> he's yeah,
1: he's absolutely on fire. Um Toled hot stayed hot. Um actually I thought Justin Topa. Was very good in this game for the spot that he was put in. He was put in a couple spots and he looked electric. Um, He struck out um, the, you know, pretty soon the new home run king in the AL, uh, Aaron Judge, uh, in a pretty big time moment. He kind of walked it off like, I do this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, the Brewers were very, very good in this day. Uh, It was my first day uh, up on Washington Island. So that was a lot of fun for me watching the Brewers win on a boat. I was watching on my phone on a boat, so that was that was fucking sick. So I'm gonna say I just, uh, that just
0: made me think of Lonely Island immediately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I no, but I still think the thing that point. stood out to me this game, aside from the largest comeback of the season, was Willie Adamas hitting the the tying the Robin Yount record tying home mm-hmm. run on Robin Yount's birthday. Oh um, yeah, I thought that was cool. Uh, you know, I don't, I'm not for sure, but. I
1: think a little piece of my dad died when he saw that. I know that he's going to appreciate, you know, what Adamus is doing, but you know, you gotta think about the era. Robin Yount was really like that first guy, you know, mm-hmm. for the Brewers in my dad's era. You know, he was a young kid. He was the prospect. And he was he's probably probably still the best player on in our history of our team. I mean, it's pretty good debate. Uh, for how good he was, how I many hits he has, you know, the totality of his career. But I think a little piece of my dad died diving, when he saw diving that.
0: Diving catch to save the no-hitter. True, true. Hits,
1: yeah, it, I don't it, think you
0: get a big argument from that. No, I don't think so either. All right, let's go to game two of that series.
1: Oh, Game two was Woodruff absolutely just flexing his muscles. Um, He was every bit of Cy Young Award, you know, candidate that you could be in this game if you're Woodruff. Uh, eight innings pitched, five hits, the one earned run, one walk, with the ten strikeouts, he was absolutely phenomenal. He's
0: he's fuck, he's rocketing up on that double digit strikeout list in Brewery history. Is. Like Corbin Burns took over that top spot this year, but Brandon Wilder's rocketing up the order right behind him.
1: Yeah, in this game is the one where he took over Ben Sheets, right? He passed or, Ben Sheets for fourth. Yep. Yeah, so little piece of me died that day because <laughs> you know
0: I still ben love Sheets is my
1: Sheet. dad. What was like my
0: dad's favorite brewer?
1: You know, you just remember being kids and playing baseball, and you're like, I'm Ben Sheets with the curveball, you know, because he played, he played for Team USA, and that was, like, kind of our yeah, thing. that was awesome. The Brewers were kind of bad when we were younger. I won't lie. Um, you know, also in this game, Adamus, like I said, he was an RBI machine. He had four RBI uh, the first game. The second game, he had three RBIs, you know, to get him to 92. Um, Yelly with a home run in this game. Uh, Adamus also had a stolen base in this game, and Yelly also had a double. So, I mean – Everything was working. Devin Williams came in, shut that shit down. Like by the way, it's Devin Williams' birthday. So happy birthday, Devin Williams. Yeah. Uh today. Um, so yeah, this was this was the one where I was looking at it. You know, you're looking at the pitching matchups and you're like, Yeah, we need to get this one so we can get the series win. Cause I really didn't feel confident going into to Sunday, you know, Jason Alexander versus their ace, Garrett Cole. You know, I think we pissed them a off a little bit because <laughs> of what happened. But to hold down to hold the Yankees to one run. And I know that they've had a lot of low-scoring games, but they've had a lot of high-scoring games. Mm-hmm. You know, that lineup is no joke. So, for Woodruff and Williams to only use two pitchers and hold them to one run, that is definitely something to hang your hat on.
0: For sure. I mean, Aaron Judge had nothing but compliments to give Brandon Woodruff talking about how good his fastball is and then the fact that he mixes in a slider and a changeup and a curveball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it's, that's just good things for Brandon Woodruff. It's That's good confidence for him. Um, so, what Woody struck out. Aaron Judge, to start this game on three pitches. That's she how Brandon Woodruff started this day. Like, it's, you see that first at-bat out on three pitches, and it's like, oh, shit, it's going to be one of those days for Brandon Woodruff. And you just get that confidence right away. Yeah, sir. Um, so, bottom of third, Willie Domus. hit his Brewer record home run. Uh, shortstop. I'm going to say something about Willie Adamas later on. Spoiler alert. Um, but it's... A lot of credit goes to Willie Adonis. Um, Josh Donaldson did hit another solo home run. That dude, he cranks. That's what he does. He can hit, yeah. Um, so bottom of the fifth, Garrett Mitchell's on first base, and Christian Yelich comes up to bat. And the at-bats going on, and, and the announcers are talking about it. Like, well, wouldn't it be great to see Yelich hit one into the corner and then watch these two run? And he's at yeah. NBA is asking Bill Schrader. He's like, which one are you going to watch if it happens? And he's like, "Uh, you know, I got to be honest, I'm going to be watching Mitchell. And sure enough, Christian Yelich hits one right down the line and just off to the races between those two. So one of the things I want to talk about in the offseason, I want to pose this question is next season, I'm already predicting that Gary Mitchell is going to be the starting center fielder in 2023. Mm -hmm. Which one of those two do you bat leadoff? Probably Yelich. I agree, and you might I'd be probably able to stick. I
1: probably stick with Yelly.
0: Yeah, well, you yeah. could stick you, and with it being his first full season, you could probably put Garrett Mitchell at nine and almost do the double leadoff hitter thing. But it was just an interesting thought with with the way that those two work with their speed. I might put Mitchell
1: second, and then put Adamez
0: third.
1: So can, can hit for for average. He can hit for power, obviously. And he's still got good wheels himself. So you put two fast guys in front of him, you're going to get a lot of RBI.
0: I'm with that. That's fair. It's a good answer. So Brandon Woodruff, this is <laughs> this is his pitches by inning. All right. So first inning, 13, second inning, 19. Third inning, 16. Fourth inning, 8. Fifth inning, 23. And it's like, oh, shit. Man, you know, Woodruff might only pitch six innings or so in this game. Mm-hmm. Sixth inning, 7. Seventh inning, five, eighth inning, ten. So the sixth, seventh, eighth, he threw a total of 22 pitches in those three innings, which is less than he threw in the fifth.
1: Damn. <laughs> the Yankees, uh, all I can think of is the Yankees started to feel the
0: pressure and they started to swing a little <clears throat> bit more. Maybe they changed their game plan. And, um, you know, Willie did hit the, the three-run home run, but he also had a ground out. Um, I think it was on... Cabrera, I think it was the ground out. Um, Willie Adamas threw the ball from shortstop to first base, 92.3 miles an hour. That's (laughs) pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, So, and I I talked about this when I mentioned the first two games that I mentioned. Um, The Brewers, eight strikeouts in this game, only eight. That's right around their season average, but um, a low strikeout total and a win for this game. So that correlation kind of sticking around. So let's go to the third game of that series. Kind of a weird game out of a a really back and forth game. Um, Anthony Rizzo came off of the injured list and essentially had his best game of the season. He had been batting like, I don't know, 218 or something like that. And then he Mm -hmm. ended up being like four for four with a home run in this game. Um, Brewers got to strike him out, throw him out, double play to end the first inning colton wong got the scoring started with a two out three run home run actually had two walks uh, drawn before that and then the three run home run by colton wong so you know drawing those walks with two outs is important obviously because it ends up scoring the runs Mm -hmm. um tyrone taylor hit a two out solo home run so that's four runs scored with two outs to start this game um Luis Urias made a really good defensive stop. Colton Wong just didn't have his foot on the bag. Ended up being an error. Um, <clears throat> and then following that was a broken bat single that led to more runs. And then another single gave New York the lead. Um, then the Brewers get second and third with one out. Rowdy, Teles and Hunter Renfro both strike out on high fastballs. It's tough. It's tough. That's just what it is. At this it's point of the fun. season, yeah, there's not. there's not a lot of, you know, what can the Brewers do to improve? Like we've, we've talked about the same things and pretty much at this time of the year, we're just looking for execution. Yep. So, you know, there's not, there's not a lot of time for making changes anymore with 13 games to go. Um, so at this point of the season, it's just down to execution. So I'm yep. um, probably not going to beat the, what to improve drum super hard for the rest of the baseball season. Um, there will probably be more improvements and discuss with the Badgers as they get more games in their schedule. But, um, At this point of the season for the Brewers, it's just about execution. Um, You know, it was a rough day for Keston Hira. He had trouble laying off the high fastball as well. Um, Rowdy Teles did hit his 31st home run. Uh, He was 0 for 11 in that series before hitting that home run. Um, So New York got two more off of Trevor Kelly in the ninth. Brewers got two back in the bottom of the ninth. Um, Off of the Yankees' closer, which I think is worth mentioning just because they're obviously facing the best pitcher in the the Yankees' bullpen. Um, Mm -hmm. Jace Peterson came in on a pinch hit and hit a two-run ground rule double. Colton Wong finished with three hits. Tyron Taylor finished with three hits. Willie Adamas had two hits. Um, The Brewers left eight on base, and then they were four for 15 with runners in the scoring position. Um, We had the bases loaded
1: too, bro, in the bottom (laughs) of the ninth. Hero yeah. missed his pitch. He gave he him one low because Hero likes them low in the zone. Yeah. He gave him one low in the zone, and he swung out of his goddamn helmet and was like, "You missed it, Keston." He, Brewers, I bet he he didn't think he was getting that because you said he was struggling with the high fastball. Yeah,
0: the Brewers struck out thirteen times in that game.
1: Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh shit, we might got the juice today. I know. Baby. I'm Like
0: Luis Urias came up to bat, and I'm like, he can ding, he can he yeah. can hit dingers like. You know, yep. just call one time. Come on, Luis. And obviously, it didn't I mean, the guy, way, the guy's
1: but... throwing gas. He's hitting a hundred. So all you got to do is just make solid contact. The ball's going to fucking fly, you know, but it is what it is, man. I'm happy that they took two out of three from the Yankees. Yep. Um, you know, my dad was talking because I we <clears> went up, <throat> uh went up to Door County uh with my dad. My family went up with my dad and obviously I'm watching all the games of my dad and I don't get this perspective all the time, you know, just, you know, talking with somebody about the game because. I'm with my family. My family doesn't watch baseball. I don't get it with any other sport either. You know, they don't talk sports to me. So it was kind of nice to just kind of get that other side of it. But anyways, my dad was talking and he was like, watch all the people jump back on the bandwagon after they take two from after they take two from the Yankees. If they take two from the Mets, which obviously hindsight, but he said, If they take two from the Mets, oh, everybody's gonna be back on the bandwagon. And I was like, Isn't that annoying, man? He was like, Yeah, but you can get away with it. Social media.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's where we would just encourage encourage the optimism just all the time i mean it costs you the same amount of energy as pessimism except it's better for your mental health um it it really is um like you know i don't just i don't just talk about this stuff i don't just say it's better for your mental health to be optimistic like i am legit learning and studying about this kind of thing um like i really wanted to i've kicked around the idea of possibly doing like a 15 minute show one day a week just talking about the ways that a, a more positive mindset can actually positively influence your mental health, mm-hmm. um, and kind of relating it to sports and not actually talking about anything sports specific. Um, so you know, if you're watching or listening and and would you know would enjoy that perspective, let me know and I'll I'll keep working on it. But <clears throat> I'm not just saying to be optimistic just for the sake of. What have I heard? Believing in unicorns and fairies, having my head in the clouds, living in fantasy world. Those are all things that I've heard just by choosing an optimistic mindset over a pessimistic mindset. So that's you know, it's just something that if you do it as far as your sports teams are concerned, you'll start to do it in your life, and that can just have a positive impact on you. So that's that's the approach that Jake and I are choosing to take. And honestly, I think it's I think it's done. Good things for me in my life, not even just as far as sports are concerned. I'm not not sure you would agree, but I'm pretty sure you would agree.
1: Well, I'll tell you the first step. It's probably the hardest step, and this is going to relate with a lot of people. We know you don't like your job. I'm not the biggest fan of my job. I'm sure Tyler doesn't like his job every day. I'm not going to speak for him. But I'm just saying, like, in general, the first step that you have to take is telling yourself to not wake up groggy and crabby because the first thing you got to do is go to work. That is the first thing, the first hurdle you're gonna have to get over. Once you get over that, then you can start taking little things that happen to you during your day at work, or little things that your kids do that used to just send you up the wall or whatever. Take a deep breath every once in a while, and you'll be okay. Tim, Tim loves his job. Tim loves his job. <laughs> Tim,
0: where do you work, man? Because I to love my job. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot, and I just kind of want to give you know a small, a small thing. So. This is this is just the one thing that I would suggest to start with mm-hmm. um, like I know Matt's talked about this a lot you know that's something that he's working on like Jake and I don't have this down hundred percent of the time all the time you know we have we have yeah. times where you know things frustrate us and stuff like that We're not hundred percent you know everything is everything is awesome from the Lego movie all the time yeah. but we are works in progress. So the thing that I would encourage to start with, is instead of saying what sucks, just say what can improve. Yeah, it's a it's a super easy thing. That that's something that can help you start changing your mindset and uh, not just sports but life. So um, that would be that would be my suggestion for a place to start. Uh, let's go to Yankees, Yankees and Mets. I don't give a shit about Yankees and Mets playing against each other. I hope they both lose. <laughs> let's go to Brewers and Mets. More New York, Brewers and Mets. lovely. Well, <clears throat> I'm sure
1: Tyler's going to talk a little bit about the Trolls after this game. <laughs> so, Corbin Burns started this game. Uh, he gave you five and two-thirds, seven hits. He had five earned runs on his head, one walk in the 4Ks, so not typical Corbin Burns. Um, cousins pitched in this game, one and a third, a hit, no earned runs, a walk and two Ks. Justin Topa had his one blemish for the week. Otherwise, he was very, very good this week. Um, one inning pitch, two hits, turn two runs, two walks, and a strikeout. Strizlecki was very good, no earned runs, two K's. <clears throat> um, Telez with two RBIs on a homer, and Yelich had two doubles in this game, got him to yep. 25 in the year. So that's that's pretty he broke good, a actually.
0: Game, too.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, yeah. but you know what, after losing the last game of the Yankees, excuse me, and then losing this one. People were kind of like, oh, our season's over, our season's over. It's it's uh-huh. not over. It's still not over at this very moment. We don't know what's going to happen.
0: Dude, Matt Madrid, Scherzer is an absolute
1: stud. He is. He, absolutely. He's he's one of the – okay, this is going to be an interesting, Kyle. You kind of just reminded me of something. You know how people use superstar way too lightly? They uh-huh. use that label way too lightly in the NBA. Yep. I feel like people use the word ace too lightly because the, the – The best pitcher on your rotation is called your ace, right? Right. Well, to me, I feel like that needs to be a specialized word for like a select group of pitchers. Yeah. It's not, not every
0: number one pitcher on every team is an ace. Exactly. That's,
1: that's exactly the point I'm trying to make where like Corbin Burns, he's an ace. Yep. I could, you could legit make an argument. The Brewers have two aces. Yep. You know, Woodruff, uh, you can make an argument. I mean, the Mets have two aces. That's yep. not even up for an argument. Yep. Um, You can look at, you know, the Dodgers. and There's a lot of teams that have good pitchers, but not every te- every Braves. number one pitcher is an ace. So that's just what I'm going to say, but he's definitely an ace. That's the yep. end of that discussion. He's so, a-
0: you know, he had a perfect game through six innings and was taken out because he just came off the injured list. Uh-huh. I wonder how many Mets fans were freaking out the way the Brewers fans were when Freddie Peralta came out when he had a no-hitter going. Probably not very much. Well, I don't know. It's New York. Uh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's New York. Um, so Pete Alonzo hit a really tough pitch. I give more mm-hmm. credit to Pete Alonzo for hitting the, the, a home run on that pitch than I do um, begging on Corbin Burns for making a mistake. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, Corbin Burns credited the Mets for the adjustments that they made as they got through their order. Um, you mentioned Christian Yelich with the two doubles and Roddy Tellez driving, driving in the only two runs. Thirteen strikeouts as a team again this game, so you know those things they matter. Um, what I was excited for most in this game is that Jake Cousins was back. He pitched an inning in the third, scoreless, had a walk, a hit, um, two strikeouts, and no runs. So I'm happy to see Jake Cousins back in the lineup, uh, back in the bullpen. Um, what's up, Dan? Um, <clears throat> so that was that was the most. Encouraging thing for me. Um, now, listen. After this game, spending time on Twitter, seeing how quickly, like, I, I you know, I get being frustrated. I get it. But the volatility of Wisconsin sports fans that are active on social media, it is way out of hand. Like trade Corbin Burns out of hand. The dude, Somebody even said after, dude, several people said it. Oh my god! After giving up five earned runs in five and two thirds innings, he still had a three twelve ERA. And and people want him traded. I want to pull up. I'm going to pull up the actual tweets just because it's annoying. I want to hear
1: this, man. Yeah, I just – you know, this is something that I've done for my own mental health. I don't know if anybody else wants to do it, but it's not that I'm trying to avoid them. It's just I know that there's certain people. And Tyler and I, one of our missions is to, like, correct this, I'll say it that way. Not change you, but correct it. Um, You know, you just – you don't have to be negative all the time. And trade Corbin Burns, like, think a little bit before you talk. Here it is.
0: This is the exact tweet. Burns has fallen off the table. I think he becomes trade bait. The Mets will put some more nails in the Brewers season. This was after he gave up the home run to Alonzo. Yep. So the response to me and I said this was, I said, so we'll trade the best pitcher in franchise history because he's given up some home runs which even including today, he's got a 312 ERA is near the top of the NL in strikeouts. One year removed from a Cy Young award. I yeah. said, make it make sense. I said, recency bias is an ugly monster. Yes. Yes it is. So the person responded back to me, said their trade, their best reliever in brewer history. There's no way, <clears throat> there's no way they'll be able to sign both. So will get, will get the better haul. Um, You know, paying a reliever is much different than paying a starter because paying a reliever is going to pitch a quarter of the innings that a starter is going to. So, Corbin Burns is going to be right around 180 innings this year, 180-plus innings. Um, Josh Mm. Hader is at, like, 44, 45 innings. Yeah. And yeah for a guy that pitches every 3 days or every 2 days sometimes back to back days but not often versus a guy who's going to pitch multiple innings every 5 days like pay the starter let the reliever go pay the starter so 100%. it's not really the same thing um so i <laughs> i just asked i'm like um like just please clarify that you do think that trading Corbin Burns is a good idea <laughs> like I just wanted to – I just needed a good laugh that day. Uh, So the person responded saying, please tell me how the Brewers are thinking you're going to base both starters. I said I think trading Hader is part of that. Um, Renfro will likely be traded this offseason. And then Colton Wong is a free agent. Andrew McCutcheon is a free agent. Omar Narvaez is a free agent. If you include Renfro, that's four of the top seven earners on the Brewers payroll this year. So trading Hader I think kind of clears the way for a potential – um, off season, where Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff both get extended, and maybe even Willie Adonis too.
1: Yeah, please. Well, I have some good news. I believe I saw it today or it was yesterday. But uh Sal Frelick, you know, has a, a streak, an on base streak of like thirty seven
0: games. He's going crazy too. Yeah, that's he has he has multiple hits in like fifty percent of his games. Wow, in AAA, like it was. Like, it's like 22 of – I think it's like 22 of 44. It's something like that. It's really close to that. But he has multiple hits in, like, half of his games in Nashville.
1: If he – honestly, if they could just get more consistent bats, this team will be fine. Mm-hmm. People need to relax. Yeah.
0: Um. So, going into second game, this was yesterday's game. Um, Aaron Ashby is back. Um. Eric Lauer is going to be eligible to return on Friday. It sounds like he's going to be activated for Friday's game in Cincinnati. And then mm-hmm. Freddie Peralta is throwing off a mound. So he's going to be back somewhat soon. Um, Matt Bush is back and available. So that's the Brewers are starting to get healthier, um, which I think is important because, you know, for the, the struggles that they've had in the second half of the season um, in the offseason, I want to look at where these, there's injuries overlap because there were a lot. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I don't want to use it as an excuse, but I do want to bring it up just to provide some context. So let's go to the second game of that Mets series. What did you see in that game last night? I'm um, going to give a shout-out to my uh, girlfriend's sister
1: and her family. They were at the game last night. Uh, it was her first Brewers game. Too bad they nice. couldn't see a W. Would have yeah. been nice. Uh, like you said, Ashby was back. Two innings, one hit. No one runs, two walks, two Ks. Strizleski and Milner had the same line, one and two-thirds. No hits, no earned runs, no walks, and a K. Uh, Boxberger gave up three earned runs. Happens. Uh, Rogers gave up four earned runs. Happens. Sucks. Uh, Matt Bush was back, like you said. Two Ks, no hits, no earned runs. And Suter had zeros across the board. Uh, RBIs, McCutcheon and Nervias. Um, had regular RBIs, I like to call them. Adamus and Wong had two out RBIs. We had three of them. Uh, Adamus nice. with two and Wong with one. Um, and then doubles: McCutcheon,
0: Wong, and Adamus had two doubles last night. Got him third one to each way too. He had one regular double and we had one opposite field double. You know what? I kind
1: of feel like like pat myself on the back a little bit because I called him going crazy at the end of the year like, <laughs> like a month ago. Now if they could just get into the playoffs. And it's and he's the reason, I'm gonna be the smartest man on the planet for like you, 15 seconds. You
0: should call that for like the rest of the players too. <laughs> I really wish I could. Like um, if if the Brewers could find a way that Rowdy Telez, Luis Urias, and Omar Narvaez all get hot at the same time, like Brewers would be in real business. We need Ren, we need Renfro
1: and probably Telez to get on fire with Adamas. Maybe we can just win a Bunch of games in a row. Who knows? The Padres could lose like four games in a row. The Phillies aren't the Phillies. safe. The Phillies yeah, are not like safe. The Phillies. the Phillies could lose a couple of games in a row. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. It's baseball. It's crazy. They play a lot of games. Uh, malnutrition, you know, sets in. Your legs get a little tight. I mean, pressure. pressure uh, the, yeah. bre- the Brewers might be able to still sneak in. You never know. They're you not done, give- yet. You They're not done yet. You don't give up. You don't give up. I'm one of those people, man. Right here, man, the ticker, the heart. I don't ever give up. If I'm going to get last place and I'm in a damn race, I'll tell you what. I already know I got last, but my heart will not let me quit. I'm going to finish that goddamn race. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I want to see from the Brewers. Whenever your team's getting their ass whooped, I just want to see heart, okay? The Packers, week one, I didn't see a lot of heart. I won't lie to you. Um, they got their ass well, whooped a little bit Malif- and they gave Maliflore up.
0: LaFleur said it after that, that. He questioned the energy and the effort. So
1: I, I didn't see any heart there.
0: You know, we, you watch Giannis. The
1: Bucs could be down by 20 points. That guy does not give up. And that is the damn reason he's probably my favorite athlete to this day, like right now, because he doesn't give up. He's he's always right here, man, and that's the reason that I love him, and that's what I want to see from the Brewers. So as a fan, yep. you know, Andy Herman talked about it with Packers fans. I'm going to talk about it as Wisconsin sports fans. We can be better. Do not give up. We're we're right there. We're still literally right there. We're still right mm-hmm. there. It's not it's not like we're eight games behind and it's totally out of the question. We're right fucking there, man.
0: Yeah. So I don't want to hear it's, none of
1: this giving up shit. It's bothering the hell out of me.
0: I mean, there's even if even if you want to give up, just wait two weeks to give up.
1: Yeah, for real. You really only really got man.
0: two more weeks left of the season. Yeah. There's 13 games left. Like if you want to give up, just wait 13 more games. Like and you, then, won't, you won't you won't like, get a total. Score. Yeah, you won't catch Jake and I giving up on it until they're mathematically eliminated. Yeah, man. And even when they don't in, they're still in it. Yeah. Weird shit happens in baseball all the time. True that, man. It's really, it's honestly, baseball, I think, is the only sport where you can have it like happen like 10 times a year where something happens that hasn't happened in like 100 years. Yeah, man. It
1: It is one of those. It is definitely one of those.
0: Um, so baseball is a weird sport like that. Obviously the Brewers have had weird things happen to them. They've done weird stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. so the second game of the series, um, Ashby went once through the order. I think that was probably the plan with him, Mm -hmm. um, strictly because he didn't have any rehab appearances. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw later on when people are questioning, you know, when Boxberger and Rogers give up runs, like, Oh, why did they pull Ashby so soon? Like Mm -hmm. he didn't have any rehab starts. So he went once to the order, two innings, um, had a lot of traffic on the in the first inning and got out of it. Um, that's then my girlfriend's sister's boyfriend. Out there, your girlfriend's sister's boyfriend. Yeah, Justin Math is our friend. Yeah, for sure. That's who I'm going to the Badgers game with on the first. Nice. Well, man. <laughs> um. So yeah, like until they're mathematically eliminated, like what's the point of? being pessimistic instead of optimistic costs you the same amount of energy. Um, so the Brewers grabbed a three run lead in the bottom of the second, a four run lead in the sixth inning. And then the Mets scored seven unanswered. Um, listen, fact of the matter is the Mets are actually a very good offensive team. They are a team that really, they don't strike out very much either. Um, they've invested in their offense. Obviously guys like Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso, um, highlight that order. But they got mm-hmm. they have a lot of contact hitters, which you know kind of worked into Hauser's favor a little bit today. But we'll talk about that in a second.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so Boxberger had the hit by pitch, a single, and a home run. Pete Alonso again. Um, the Brewers had actually retired fourteen consecutive batters before that. Um, now, I've seen it. It gets down to like a ridiculous point at some point. So I've seen people saying, you know, we need a DFA Boxberger, we let him go, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, all he does is give up home runs. That was actually only the sixth home run that Boxberger has allowed this entire season. That's not bad, actually. Um, actually, it was the first home run that he has given up since August 28th. Mm. So he basically gives up a home run, like, once a month.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, you know, relievers aren't perfect. Obviously, you know Taylor Rogers show it. um To me, the thing with Taylor Rogers, he just couldn't get his slider to bite. Like you see, all the oh, you know, I don't remember if it was Narvaez or Caratini catching at that point, but every time you know they're setting up somewhere, they have to you know, like yeah. the the hand movement to to get the ball out of the zone. Like that's where that's where Taylor Rogers is aiming. That's not where the ball is supposed to finish. So just. I don't know. It just looked like Taylor Rogers couldn't get any break on his pitches. And then, you know, he ended up throwing one down the middle that got hit out for a grand slam and the Brewers lost this game last night. Um, you know, it's not, what I ended up seeing was Taylor Rogers needs to not be used at all. And then I'm like, okay, so you're going to get to a point where I've seen Taylor Rogers can't be used. Brad Boxberger can't be used. Luis Perdomo can't be used. Suter can't be used. Matt Bush can't be used. I'm like, at some point you get to a point where Devin Williams and Hobie Milner are the only pitchers you're comfortable with having in the game.
1: Aww. And think about the first two weeks
0: of the season. People are writing off Devin Williams. So now Hobie Milner is the only guy left in the bullpen. Yeah. And, you know, he's given <laughs> up runs too. So yeah. he's not perfect. he's giving up runs. Like you can't just say guys can't play because they have bad games. Do you think the Padres, if they make the playoffs, are going to be like, oh, Josh Hader has a big ERA with us. We're not going to use him. Nope. Like, yeah, guys have rough goals, but that's that's called adversity. You got to play through that. Hell yeah, man. And like I said, at this, this point of the season, you know, it's there's no more, like, what can we change? It just comes down to execution. We know what needed to be done. We've talked about it throughout the season. We talked about it coming out of the All-Star break. We know what needs to be done. We know what needed to be improved, what needed to be changed at this point in the season. It's all just about execution. Yep. Point blank period. So today the Brewers get Trevor Gott back. They send down Jason Alexander. Um, Willie Adamas hits a solo shot to give the Brewers a one, nothing lead. Um, his 31st home run of the year. Um, Adrian Hauser pitched a really good game. He's been doing really well. And I'm really, I'm really proud of Adrian Hauser the way he's been since he's come back yeah. from the injured list. Um, Four and two-thirds innings, only three hits, no walks. It's very important for Adrian Hauser. Um, yeah. No strikeouts, which, you know, it's not a problem. You're getting outs, no takeouts, however you want to well, get Any them. way you can get them. <laughs> um, and no runs. Uh, Hobie Milner finished the fifth inning. Trevor got back from the injured list, pitched a scoreless sixth. The Brad Boxberger right. of, you know, Tuesday infamy, pitched a scoreless seventh. Suter pitched a scoreless eighth. And then my guy, Jake Cousins, pitched a scoreless ninth inning. Um, shutting out the Mets... That's not a small feat. Like, that's that's we just talked about it with yesterday's game. Like, the Mets have a good offense. Mm-hmm. Shutting the Mets out, that's you know, something to be proud of to take momentum into Cincinnati. So Garrett Mitchell had two hits and a sacrifice bunt. Um, so Garrett Mitchell lays down a sacrifice bunt after Tyrone Taylor hits a, a little flare single into center field to drive in a run. So the Brewers have first and second with nobody out. Mm-hmm. Tyrone Taylor bunts the runner or Garrett Mitchell bunts the runners over, brings up Christian Yelich, he strikes out, brings up Willie Adonis, they intentionally walk him, and Craig Council, just a master class, puts in Mike Brasso to pinch hit, um, yeah, Chipotle diet for Christian Yelich. Um, one of the fun facts for Christian Yelich the other day was that he ate uh, Chipotle like 142 days in a row when he was in the minor leagues. That's insane. <laughs> um um But brings in Mike Brasso to go with the left-handed pitcher. Um, New York brings in a righty to face Brasso. Brasso punishes him anyways and hits a pinch hit grand slam. Now listen to this. Mike Brasso as a pinch hitter is 9 for 15. That is a 600 batting average.
1: That's insane. As
0: a pinch hitter. He has three home runs and 12 RBI and wow. hit a grand slam on an 0-2 pitch. It was the sixth pitch that he saw in the at bat was he down was 0-2 and hit a grand slam.
1: And two outs in the inning. So 0-2 and two, and two outs. outs. Yeah, We were down to our last strike in the inning. Loaded, yeah.
0: Wham. <laughs> that a baby. Um so yeah, what did you did you see any of today's game or do you have any thoughts that you wanted to to throw out there with um I was following with
1: along with it. And I thought you used the, mo- the perfect word, but you used it in the last game. You talked about adversity and mm. Adrian Hauser is definitely a guy that faced that this season, you know, earlier in the year, me and you were kind of like, Oh my God, like is Adrian Hauser washed? You know, me and you were kind of asking that question and we were like, "He is he hurt? What's going on? Well, then he did actually get hurt and he's come back and he's been phenomenal. So I agree with you on giving Adrian Hauser a lot of credit. Uh, he threw seventy-four pitches today, so that's good to see. Um, hi, hello, um, Milner again, and it's it's good. I love seeing when guys give up runs and they come back the next day and then they shut them out, like Boxberger did. Boxberger, that's, yeah, for sure. That's a sign of a professional. You know, to be completely honest with you. You know, a young guy that get that gets shelled one day may come back and get put into the game the next day, and he may get shelled again. You know, because you got you got to learn to just let that shit go. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, if you ask Jameis Winston in the NFL, he's probably pretty good at that because he gives the ball to the other team a lot, and then he still goes out there and still hucks it. <laughs> he's the best at that. Um, I just wanted to give a shot to James if he comes in here and he, see, and he hears that. Because <laughs> he believes in Jameis Winston for some reason blindly. Um, but, No. Uh, I was good to get another win like you said stay alive. So, we'll see what happens, man. We're going to be I mean, scoreboard watching.
0: <laughs> listen, so going into this this New York stretch where we're talking three games against the Yankees, three games against the Mets, what would what would your best case scenario have been going against two of the best teams? Well, in their respective leagues. I originally said that if we take four,
1: we'll be in the playoffs. Obviously, we took three, so there's still a shot in my mind that we could still get into the playoffs. Obviously, best yep. case scenario would have been taking two out of three. I'm not right. going to say winning all six because that's impossible to think that way. Obviously, the team would like to win all six games, right? But splitting with them and going three and three is really not the worst thing in the world because exactly. that's two very good teams. <laughs> yeah, very. Th- there could be an all New York World Series. they legitimately could. Uh, I, I uh, can see it, but it would be, that'd be gross. Yeah, it would be disgusting. I mean, Isaac in the comments is hoping for an All L A series, but I'm not. But in All well, New York the Angels series, got
0: the Angels got mathematically eliminated yesterday. I know yesterday. that's why I
1: said he's hoping for it. Not to take a <laughs> shot at you, Isaac. We might be there in a couple weeks, but um, you know, an All New York World Series is definitely not out of the question. I'm just gonna say that.
0: I'd be so annoyed.
1: I would. The Astros are probably making the World Series, and it's probably gonna be the Dodgers but
0: I don't know. I'd I'd almost rather see the Braves repeat than the Dodgers being.
1: I was going to say the Braves, the Braves, man, they're so good. They got, they got the hitters. They got the pitchers. They got it all, man. The Braves are set up to be really annoyingly good for a long time.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, better the Braves than the Cardinals. True that. Cardinals are going to have two of the top three MVP candidates. Angels are fishing. (laughs) <laughs> Astros are going to bring out the trash cans. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm I'm not a fan of the Astros either. They used to be in our division. Um, so I remember a lot of games uh, against the Astros as a kid. Man, they I used were to,
0: bad for a long they time. They were really
1: bad. I used to love watching us play there because I loved that ball, the ballpark with the freaking the train on top and shit. I forgot who it was, but somebody on the Brewers just absolutely almost hit the train. When I was a kid, but I used to like playing the Astros, so I'm not. I'm not a fan of them. They were in our division, like I said. But Verlander is undoubtedly one of the top three pitchers. Him and
0: him and Scherzer, I think, are in the same boat. They're like the (laughs) the father time pitchers. (laughs) Yeah, Justin said I threw up in my mouth a little bit thinking about an all New York World Series. Yeah, I think we all did. Can you imagine just all of the annoying like? social media posts that would come out of that. Oh god. Dude, New York is bad,
1: man. Like, I'm so happy the Knicks always suck. Um
0: the Giants yeah, got, are actually yeah but now the now the Nets are in New York. Yeah they suck. Dude they got you they man, got dude there's freaking New York fans already putting the Nets in the finals again. Okay, let him do it. I don't care. We oh got my the God, group I'm freak. so sick of this on-paper bullshit. Oh, the, Nets, the they have this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy. Cool. Have they gotten out of the second round in the last three years? They didn't get out of the first round last year. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Ben Simmons wasn't healthy. You had James Harden the year before. Literally Dude, you had Kyrie, had James Kev... Harden, and Kevin Durant on the same team. Dude, you still had
1: Kyrie and KD. There's no, absolutely... No way you can get swept in the first round. Absolutely no way. I don't give a fuck what you say. I don't care about none of that, dude. Losing in six just, or
0: seven to the team that ended up in the finals—sure,
1: that's swept. exactly that's that's the point I'm going to make about Giannis. Swept. Giannis was damn near alone. I mean, I know we had Drew Holiday and we had Bobby, we had our squad other than Middleton, but not having Middleton is humongous. Just for people who don't watch basketball, yeah, um, Giannis going seven—you know—with that roster against the Celtics, like you said, that went to the finals. Is the reason that I jumped him over KD because KD got swept. Yep. And he he looked like a little bitch in some of those games. I'm just going to be straight up. He was getting bounced around, bro. He couldn't handle the physicality. Yeah. That's why I love the playoffs so much, dude. The NBA playoffs. Yeah. That's good. And I know I'm going to be, I might be biased because I love NFL playoffs too. But to me, NBA playoffs is just like it might be the best playoffs in my life. You
0: just you get so much more. Yeah, you really do. You get you get more of you know obviously you get more series, you get more games. But um, I like watching the NHL playoffs as well. Um, Like Major League Baseball playoffs, it feels like there's such high tension for such a low, a low pace game that makes Mm -hmm. it feel kind of weird. Yeah. But um. I don't watch hockey. Yeah, so Simon said NHL, dude. You should. It's fun to watch, even if you're not a fan of it. Like, dude. But I will say, Simon, NHL playoffs. I will say that there is nothing better than Olympic hockey. Wow. Oh my god, that is shit. Oh, it's so fun to watch Olympic hockey.
1: I try to I get still remember hockey, 2012 just,
0: when TJ Oshie was doing all the all the shootouts and just just goal after goal after yeah, goal after that. goal like so nuts. Um, but yeah, like NBA playoff, like playoffs are just fun just because everything has so much more meaning, you know? Yeah, um, the, we go through whole 162 season. baseball season, and yeah. then it's like, all right, now these are the games that matter. And you know, the NA, you go through the NBA, the long season, you know, we, we talk about the dog days of basketball, those January through March months. Um, and then you start getting into April, it's like, all right, here we go, we're getting ready for the playoffs, and then the playoffs are here, and then it's, you know, yeah, it's, man, it's fun.
1: I love when they're, like, hyping up the game on the TV. You know, like you said, the dog days of basketball. And it's like, say it's the, you know, just because Isaac's in here. And the Lakers are competing for, like, the two seed. And the Bucks are competing for the one or two seed. And, you know, they're like, oh, the Bucks versus Lakers on TNT. I'm just like, I'm amped. But, like, I'm not amped because I don't give a shit, you know. Because, like, I just want to play KD in the playoffs so Giannis can beat him. So people can stop saying that KD's better than Giannis because he's not. kid. <sighs>
0: Yeah. You know what's you know what's worse?
1: Why it's do like, people take shooting so important? Yes, I understand that it's important because of Ke- you know Steph Curry, but yeah. just because KD can shoot, that does not make him better than Giannis. Giannis,
0: Giannis still scores like that's scoring is scoring. I, piss All right.
1: me I want to talk. What faster. about
0: you? Know what's <laughs> annoying is like like you get like a random Tuesday in March. Yeah. And if, like, the Knicks and the Hawks are on TNT, it's like, why are these two teams, like, one is the 12 seed and one is in the play-in, and we're watching this on primetime?
1: Yeah, right? Dude, I complained about it all last year. How many times do I have to watch the fucking Knicks? How many times? I should look it up before we do our Bucks primer, but how many times do I have to watch the damn Knicks on TNT and ESPN? I don't want to watch freaking Julius Randle shoot eight for 31. I just don't. <laughs> I should like color me crazy again, you know, but like I don't want to watch that shit. That shit's annoying. And then didn't they just pay, uh, the hell, uh, Barrett? Didn't they just pay
0: RJ Barrett? I think they're about to.
1: Well, they're about to. I
0: don't, I don't know. If, I don't remember if they've extended him yet, but I hope they pay him thirty million a season. That would make me laugh my ass off. Oh my god. Um, oh, we are about what? to get to the Badgers. Um, we just got a couple more things with the Brewers, and then we're gonna move on to the Badgers. Yep, yep. Yep. Kim said the only time she watches the NBA or NHL is during the playoffs. Otherwise, she finds them boring to watch. I get that in the middle of the season. Like when the season starts, it's like yeah, basketball's back, and then you get the Christmas Day games just because like the mm-hmm. atmosphere is good there, and then you get yeah, then you get like the January through March. That's where it's it's tough, and that's where like a lot of guys talk about the the mental side of the game and and having to stay focused during those months. Um, that's when NHL also, yeah, and NHL is almost on the exact same schedule. They just start like two weeks sooner. Yeah, um, but the
1: NHL playoffs go so much faster because they don't give
0: them like three days off every once in a while. Like, why does they, NBA do yeah, that? Yeah, NHL is like every other. Yeah. NBA is more worried about getting games on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. All right, so. Give me your for power pair this week. I have a feeling I know who your pitcher is gonna be, but let's start with pitcher. I think we're gonna have the same two for both of these, but I got some good stats when we get to the position player. Nope. Uh pitcher were different. I went Justin Topa. Um, I uh-huh. like how
1: he I like how he came back. And like I said, he had a really big strikeout against Dude, Aaron he's had Judge.
0: Such a long road of recovery, too. it's, yeah, it's cool to see him back. That's part of the reason
1: why I felt like his impact on the game and um, his presence in the locker room was kind of a big thing, you know. And like I said, he had the really big strikeout against Aaron Judge in that game, which was an important game. All of them had been important for a while. So, yeah, you know, like Justin it. Topa and, you know, he had three innings pitch. He had the one bad outing, like I said, where he gave up two earned runs and his his one inning pitch. So it makes his numbers look a little bit worse. But overall, he was very good. He had two good outings and one eh outing. So like three it. innings pitch, three hits, two earned runs, three walks, and three Ks. One of those Ks
0: was absolutely massive. That was the one where I was kind of like, all right,
1: Brewers are taking this motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Brent Suter had kind of a similar week. He had two and two-thirds innings, uh, didn't give up any runs. Actually, I think – actually, you add in today, and that would be three and two-thirds, I think. so. Um, I went with Brandon Woodruff. Like I went with the obvious one. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to go eight innings against the Yankees and strike out ten, that's – That's putting on your big boy pants and getting to work. 100%. Um, Yeah, Brandon Woodruff, I mean, he had basically one bad game the entire Mm -hmm. second half of the season. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, very pleased with Brandon Woodruff. I have a a feeling I know who your position player is. but We have the same one. It's it's Willie Thomas. There was no other choice. He
1: was an RBI machine. Um, I was gonna say we should do one, two, three, and try to do this Fortnite dance at the same time, but <laughs> um, no, just eleven for twenty-six, seven runs, three home runs, six walks, and ten RBIs. That's a fucking week, dude. Dude, you want to hear up.
0: some nasty Willie Adama stuff? Yes, I do. He raised his OPS eighteen points in the last week. Eighteen? That That's insane. insane! This late in the season. Um, he had a nine-game hitting streak that was snapped on Monday, and then yesterday came back um, and hit four hits in yesterday's yeah. game. Yeah, and Wayne, we won a World Series too. I mean, mm-hmm. we waited fifty years for the Bucks. Hopefully, it doesn't take fifty years for the Brewers, and it doesn't take them another ten years to get to the World Series again. Um, uh, yeah, that would suck. But we'll yeah, we'll talk about we'll talk about some of that stuff in the offseason. you know. Uh, but Willie Adams, so check this out. This is is nuts. So, Uh Willie Adonis' last 31 games. All right? His last 31 games. Yes. 40 for 124. That's a 323 batting average. Uh Eight home runs and 28 RBI. (laughs) Holy fuck. Dude, he's got, after today now, he's got 32 home runs. Bro. He missed three weeks of the fucking season. He's got 32 home runs. The
1: man is balling, dude. Straight dude, up. he
0: missed the last two weeks of May and the first week of June, and he's still got 32 freaking home runs. Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Oh, my God, dude. And he'd almost be- 100 RBI. Dude, he be 35, 40 home runs mm-hmm. at the pace that he's at had mm-hmm. he not missed those three weeks of the season. Oh, yeah. Dude is Willie Adonis is he's a stud. He's a stud. One of the, he's one of the best shortstops in baseball. It's not not a, a a hot take to say that. It might be for some, but it's it's really not. When when it comes to home runs, like Corey Seeger for the Rangers is like the only one who's on his pace for home runs. Um, like Trey Turner is really good, and Francisco Lindor is pretty good, but mm-hmm. you know Willie Adonis is. He's, he's in that company, I would say. I'd say mm-hmm. he's at the bottom of that top tier, but he's, he's in the conversation. I agree with that. All right, so for the Brewers, they have 13 games left. They have four starting tomorrow in Cincinnati. Um, Eric Lauer is going to be back on Friday. Uh, they're off on Monday after that four-game series. They have two at home against St. Louis, four at home against Miami, and three at home against Arizona. So they have these four games in Cincinnati and then their last nine games are all at home where they've been better actually the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's Brewers are two games back of Philadelphia for the last wild card spot. Um, kind of think about it as three games back with needing to be ahead of the Phillies because they don't have the tiebreaker, but 13 games to go. It's not, it's not over. I would say they need to win ten or eleven games, to to have a shot. If I'm being realistic, yeah. I mean, Philadelphia's they're sliding hard. Like they've lost four or five in a row now. Mm -hmm. Um, They play tonight. Um, It's annoying having to cheer for the Cardinals, but they play the Padres. So the Padres losing helps the Brewers just because if both if both of those teams both of those two teams keep losing. It just keeps the door open for the Brewers um, and gives them a chance to grab one of two spots instead of one of one. Um, okay. But, you know, you're not going to catch Jake and I ending the season before the season's over. We'll talk always about the off season in the off season. Yep. Always a chance. Yep. Until they're mathematically eliminated, they're still in it. So that's the way Jake and I are going to approach it. Um, it'll be a very interesting conversation to see um what happens next Wednesday when we're talking about the Brewers
1: lock and change in a week
0: man we could be in that wild card spot uh, next Wednesday- mm-hmm. we could That's I bad. mean it's it's realistic it's a possibility that we could either next week be talking about you know the Brewer's magic number is three or the Brewers are mathematically eliminated and we're just gonna try to have fun these last six games yep. both of those things are are possible agreed but they can still do it. So let's do it. Let's do it. All right. You got anything else you want to say about the Brewers and baseball before we switch to football? No. Nah, I'm ready I'm ready to talk football now. I got my football right. brain on. All right. You don't have your basketball brain
1: on again? I'm excited for basketball. I mean, obviously, uh, Tyler helped me get a gig because he's my guy. So I'm going to be writing <laughs> for behind-the-bucks pass now. So I've, I've just been – Ever since like I got the email, I got the email by the way, I didn't text you, but um, ever since I got it, I've just been like, Man, I'm just I'm ready to just switch into basketball mode and just just hammer out some articles and give my opinion and have people call me a fucking moron. (laughs) I'm ready (laughs) for it all, baby. I am I am very much prepared for that.
0: You know, the fact of the matter is when it comes to putting your opinion on sports out there, the fact that You know, people are willing to put it out there in, you know, in public, quote unquote, in public, because we're doing this online, obviously. But Mm -hmm. um, the fact that anybody can come and comment on our stuff and they can say, oh, who are you to say this, this or this? It's like, you know, we at least, you know, I'm not saying that it makes somebody, you know, not a yeah, it it doesn't make us better by putting our opinions out there in public. But, you know, we're stating them for anybody to see, Um, you know, we're not. We're not the "quote unquote" keyboard warriors, and I'm not saying that everybody that only types their opinion is less of a, you know, less of a fan or has a lower intelligence. But like Jake and I, we're putting our opinions out there, you know, which takes which takes a little bit of courage, just because anybody can comment on our video and say, "Oh, you guys suck! All Wisconsin sports suck!" Uh, whatever. Bottom line is, we're here putting out our opinion. You know, and. In-
1: to that, I'm going to say this. You can have healthy debate, okay? Um, sure. So Tyler and I are going to put our opinions out there. Tyler's been hammering out articles for a while now. He writes for the Brewers, <laughs> and he also writes about Fortnite. So uh, go yeah, give okay. those a read. Um, But, you know, we can have healthy debate. You know, if, if I'm going to write an article about how Giannis is the best player in basketball, not just Eastern Conference, and you're going to come out and be like, you're a fucking idiot. How do you think he's he's better than Durant? Why can't you be like, okay, I see your angle, but and first of all, Simon, fuck you, you suck worse than us. <laughs> you're fired every day. You're fired. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, why can't you come at me and be like, well, this is why I think KD is the best, and then we can kind of have counter arguments going off mm-hmm. each other? Like, why can't we just right. debate like that? Why do you, why do you have to go at somebody and be like, you're you're an effing moron? You know. And I'm really starting to sound like Gary V. It's really pissing me off a little bit. But it's like, (laughs) you can be kind while disagreeing. You don't have to just turn into an asshole, you know? And that's kind of the thing that Tyler and I are focused on. And I've really, like I said, man, I've really been trying to flip my brain on to the first comment I'm going to get. somebody going to be like, this is horrible. Why would
0: you (laughs) even put this on the internet? I'm just like, like prepared for the worst. (laughs) All right, well, let's start with the offense. Um, What did you see from the offense in the Badgers' win against New Mexico State besides finishing a field goal short of their goal? Oh, man, I was so pissed.
1: I was like, are you kidding me? You know, we got that touchdown, right? And we took a little break uh, because we were out all day, and we went and drove go-karts and shit. And my dad was like, they're not kicking field goals
0: up this much. They kicked a field goal, right? And they get to 66. I'm like, Dad, they dude, kicked they the field goal. The too. They had it, and it got called back on a penalty. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they could have had it. They could and dude, they are kicking a field goal. I'm like, they just need one more freaking field goal.
1: Dude, you know what we would have did if they got to 69, bro? We would just played music and had like a dance party. Like Let's we would have just
0: just been giggling literally <laughs> from Saturday through Wednesday.
1: Oh, all day. <laughs> I don't know what to, to
0: 69. And Cody almost called
1: it, by the way. <laughs> Um, that would have been the best
0: part. Uh, but at, at the end of the day, we, you know, we're we're all here for you know we're trying to get people to increase their mental health, and then at the root of at the root of everything, we're just giant man children.
1: <laughs> How do you not laugh at sixty nine? That's funny.
0: But what did I see on offense?
1: I saw a lot. I saw a lot of offense, and I saw three rushers with seventy yards. Um, I saw Graham Mertz having a big day, uh, two hundred fifty-one yards. I saw us averaging 16.8 yards per pass. I saw mm. us averaging 5.7 yards per rush. So we're 2 of 6 on third now. We have the we only had the <clears> ball, <throat> ball for 31 minutes, which you say only. But the Badgers usually dominate time possession just by the way that they play.
0: So two of those drives being really <laughs> short were ones that the, they got the ball basically in the red yeah. zone. Already. So short well, drives from that. The one interception, the guy literally stumbled for like nine
1: yards and tripped over his own shoelace. He that was
0: have. uh Meta.
1: Yeah. He, oh my god, I was like I was like dude, Unicorns you literally only had to fall 3 more feet. You had to fall 3 right. more feet. You fell the you fell 12 feet up to that point. You had to do 3 more feet. <laughs> but, you know what? It got Braylon Allen another touchdown, so it is That's what true. it is. Uh we knew this game was going to be a blowout. Obviously, we didn't know to this We did, yeah, we
0: didn't pick it as big of a blowout as, as it was. You, you, know, you know, they could, were favored like 51 and a half who was badgers 51 and a half 51 and a half and the over under was 58 <laughs> holy shit so well essentially the you know the badgers were essentially picked to win 51 to 7
1: that's insane or 52 yeah. to 7 yeah well i was a little lower i i predicted 45 to 3 i believe right yeah i predicted I, uh... 45 to 3 last week that was my prediction Let's see.
0: i don't even remember what mine was Um, 27 to six. I picked it low. Wow.
1: Neither neither of us saw 60. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That being said, you know, I just, we had 595 total yards. We Hmm. were good on offense. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say.
0: Yeah. Um, so Braylon Allen scored his first touchdown, a 39 yard touchdown. I did mention this, that it seems like the Badgers, the games that they score big points, uh, mm-hmm. are the games where they have big plays. Yeah. So, 39-yard touchdown. Both of his next two touchdowns came from inside the five-yard line. Um, Ches Lucy had a touchdown <laughs> from three yards out. Um, Keontas Lewis scored a touchdown on a perfectly thrown ball by Graham Mertz. Mm-hmm. Um, he made basically only two mistakes. Um, Obviously, the interception, it got yep. tipped, which, you know, it is what it is. But... That ball, he basically just needs to get a little more air under it. A, that would have prevented it from getting tipped. And B, if he can get it over that defender and then into his receiver's hands, that's really a next level thing from Graham Mertz. Like we've been we've been pretty supportive of Graham Mertz these last few weeks because he's looked pretty good. You yep. know. Um, but that's just that's a next level thing, is is being mm-hmm. able to um, get some arch on the ball and, and kind of rainbow that into his, his receiver. Um, and then he missed DK on a pass early in the game. Other than that, yeah. he was very good. Uh-huh. Uh, the Graham Mertz-Skyler Bell connection worked out very well. Um, Graham Mertz put a really good pass on Skyler Bell for the first touchdown. Um, he was able to basically catch the ball, jump in, um, back in towards the middle of the field and then score the touchdown. Um, I think the ball placement on that is a little underrated just because it kind of made Bell, like I said, go back towards the middle of the field, which caused the safety to overcommit towards the sideline. And Bell basically walked in with a touchdown. The -hmm. second one that he had to Bell was an absolute dime. Arguably the best throw that Graham Mertz has made this season, Um, like right on the sideline in the end zone. And Skylar Bell was able to get his both of his feet down. That was just that was an nasty, NFL touchdown. I was going to say that was an absolute dime by Graham Mertz. Mm-hmm. Um, so going to the third quarter. So Graham Mertz really only played um, like two quarters and ten minutes of this game. Um, like five thirty-four, mm-hmm. they put in Miles Burquette, who actually looked decent. Um, I do think the uh, Miles burkett Dean Ingram. Connection was pretty good. Yeah, um, I do think that Ingram made Burkett look better. He underthrew a couple balls and and Ingram went and got him and, and kind of made Burkett look better. He took one better. of them for sure. Yeah. He the took first one, one that for he sure. Yeah. Um after that, the only other thing that I really want to say about the offense, and this is something that obviously he's in his second year and he's only 18 years old, but I'd like to see Braylon Allen work on his pass blocking. Um, so that's one thing I've, I've noticed, um, Vito Calvaruso was out for this game. Um, I don't remember what his first name, but Van Zels was nine for nine on extra points and one for one on the field goals. Um, so that's, you know, some confidence that you get there on the field goals, which was something that kind of haunted the Badgers a little bit last Saturday against Washington state, but let's switch to defense. Uh, what did you think about the Badger defense versus the Mexico state's offense?
1: They were okay. Um, obviously a lot of garbage time yards, um, we give up 242 total yards, 124 pass, only 4.1 yards per pass. Um, 118 rush yards, only 3.3 yards per rush. Um, 415 on third down and they had the ball for 2843. But I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty standard for Wisconsin defense. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I expect them to do every game, which is unreal. Not the 4.1 yards per pass. Cause that's, that's insane. That's next level shit. But <laughs> the 3.3 3 yards per rush, they are 100% capable of doing that every game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the 4.1 yard, if they do 4.1 yards per pass against Ohio That's, State.
0: Oh, my God. we will Did be talking imagine that? Shit. that? We will be talking oh shit. Oh, man, that would be insane. Against Stroud,
1: bro, he has 11 touchdowns and no picks. So we we definitely uh, – we'll get into that in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we're going to have
0: good stuff for that.
1: I feel like the D-line was a little better this game. A little bit more physicality. I would like to see the linebacker slow to the ball a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about it last week. I feel like we were just like, we were so lucky last year with all the linebacker talent we had. I mean, Sanborn, Stud, Chanel, Stud. Dog. I mean, Herbig, Herbig. Chanel,
0: dog. dog. Yeah. Sanborn, Dog. I mean, they Herbic, are.
1: Dog. <laughs> Grit factory, baby. But, you know, we had such a, such a good linebacking core last year that watching this year, you know, you knew there was going to be some bumps in the road. If they yep. can just flow the ball a little bit faster, read the play a little bit better. I think they, they'll be just fine,
0: but that's, that's being nitpicky. That's my nitpick for the week. That's fair. Um, so looking at it, I want to give Ricardo Holman some credit because the one handed interception that he made, oh, was, yeah. that was sweet. That was um, nice. The other two interceptions that the Badgers produced were both off of tipped balls. Um, so just. Guys being aware and being ready to catch a ball that's just flying in the air at them. Um mm-hmm. the run defense looked good early. They did give up some late stuff. Um, New Mexico State didn't get their first first down until under three minutes left in the second quarter. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's dirty. Uh, we dominated them. So they had a third and eleven. Nick Herbig got an 18-yard sack. You know, despite not having a, a super big stat line in this game, Nick Herbig was in the backfield like constantly. Mm-hmm. Um and then I want to give Njong Meta some credit. Um, he got the interception. Got down to like the one yard line. Um, he had 16 tackles in the first two games, mm. and he had four more on Saturday. Um, he is the team leader in tackles right now. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, he's yeah he's the team leader in tackles right now. Um. So some interesting things with this game um i have it on here somewhere oh 23 different players for the badgers made tackles
1: you <laughs> took that from me you bastard
0: <laughs> i i'm looking at it and i'm like i'm just i'm, I'm looking and i'm scrolling and I'm, I'm i get down to the defense and then i'm scrolling to see who made tackles and i'm still scrolling and i'm still scrolling and i'm still scrolling i'm, I'm like, telling Damn, you, this list is long <laughs>
1: Yeah, bro. That was me last week when I was like, holy crap, almost 50 players got a tackle in the
0: game. That's yeah. crazy. So going, by, going by quarters, the Badgers only scored 7 points in the first quarter. They scored 28 in the second quarter, wow. 21 in the third quarter, and then 10 more in the fourth quarter when all the backups were in. The Badgers were 2-for-6 on third down, so there is some room for improvement there. Um, and then Jake mentioned New Mexico State was 4-for-15 on third down. Mm-hmm. You know, that's okay i mean that's where you want to keep teams um but the badgers can definitely do better than two for six so this will be interesting to see give me your three stars of the game well i got
1: skylar bell because yep. he was very good naturally <laughs> for four receptions 108 yards two touchdowns 49 yep. yard was a long um i have isaac garendo because i feel like he was the okay. second best running back um 12 carries 74 yards two touchdowns he has really really good body control for a Dude, big guy he's good way. he's legit good um you can tell the guys that have good body control when they're going like this and only the bottom half moves yeah now, those are the guys that have the body control and yep. they're big and fast and strong and right. jones <clears throat> yeah, yeah for real um and then i have uh i want to give him a nickname but i'm gonna wait a week but i have graham mertz um 12 of 15, 251 yards. You can't just tease
0: me like that. You got you to gotta tell me now. I want to call him Money Mertz, baby. Money, Money merch. <laughs> he could be the
1: new Money Manziel. Oh, man. Money merch, baby. I thought but, you were going
0: to call him like Graham Cracker or something. I'm like, I got to know what it is. It's Graham better. Cracker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Graham Cracker. Nah, Money merch, baby. That just, oh. you know, this is like a Packer story. But Jair Alexander posted some shit after the game. And somebody asked a question in the comments. Do you prefer Jaw Island or Jaw Money? So let me let me get your let me get your response. What would you rather call him, Jaw Money or
0: Jaw Island? Honestly, I just call him Jair. So like,
1: I'm a Jaw Money guy. I'm Team Jaw Money. <laughs> How many corners have been called an island? Think about that. The originality factor. But Jaw Money? Money? No, they 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 call. I mean, Champ Bailey was. Told like he was a cornerback putting him on an island. I mean, Revis Island. I get what you're Revis saying. Revis
0: Island is really the only one that I think of specifically the word island. I mean, that's fair, but it's
1: not original. Jaw money is original. Like you know, he's money. You know, he's coming on big. Like Jaw money. That's why Money Mertz. Like that's baller right there.
0: I mean, that's not that's not as original though. Like you got the Money Zell to go to Money Mertz. Yeah, I know. See, Dude, I if just, he beats I just contradicted skates, myself.
1: I'll see what we can do. Yeah, we got to think of a nickname for him,
0: dude. If he earns a victory in
1: Ohio State, oh, and also to that point, you know, all the people giving up on sports. If we go to Ohio State, no getting on the goddamn bandwagon. Yeah, you're kicked off for the rest of the year.
0: You're you're kicked off if you jumped off after week two.
1: Yeah, you're you're off for the rest of the year. Damn it. <laughs> I mean, um,
0: so for me, I also had Graham Mertz on my list. He had 251 yards on 10 completions.
1: Yeah, that's the guy was. <laughs> What's going nuts?
0: Um, 10 completions and three of them were touchdowns.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's,
0: that's like Alan Lazard scoring five or eight touchdowns on 40 receptions. If Alan if Allen Lazard scored touchdowns on 40% of his receptions, like imagine if Graham Mertz threw touchdowns on 30% of his completions at every hundred touchdowns or every hundred passes he completed, he had 30 touchdowns. <laughs>
1: that'd be insane
0: we'd be calling Um, weisman mertz yeah um so he completed passes to six different receivers as well um so last week one of the things that i was calling for is one of my keys to victory was was graham mertz remaining efficient and i would say 10 for 13 for 251 yards and three touchdowns fits that bill (laughs) i could see lazard having a similar year watch lazard have a similar year i dude if he okay We statted out the Packers. I don't remember what we predicted for Alan Lazard. Probably something around 90 touchdowns. For him to have a 40% touchdown rate on 90 receptions would be like 22 touchdowns. (laughs) That'd be insane. That would be insane. So the other ones that I went with, obviously I had Skylar Bell on there. I kind of cheated, and I went with the running back room as a Mm. whole. Um, so Braylon Allen was 15 for 86 and three touchdowns at a 5.7 yards per carry. Uh, Chesma Lucy, you said Isaac Garendo could have been the second best running back of the day. I think Chesma Lucy could have been the second best running back of the day. He only had 10 carries, but he had 71 yards and a touchdown and a 7.1 yards per carry. That's true. And then Isaac Garendo had the 12 for 74 and two touchdowns. He had 6.2 yards per carry. Then you can go even farther And go to Julius Davis, who had five for 45, including a 33-yard run that set up the field goal.
1: Now you did pretty good actually.
0: So between all of them, that is 42 rushes for 276 yards. That's a lot. That's six point six yards per carry between the four of them and six touchdowns. That's also a lot. so many touchdowns Multiple we're gonna do when we get to when we get to ohio state like it's it's insane some of the some of the ways that this goes but give me your give me your underrated performer from this game
1: i actually picked Ches Malusi um right. for this reason um i wanted to give i wanted to give the backups a little bit of love i mean garendo like i said could have been the second best running back yeah. but i'm a big fan of malusi he came back from the the injury yep. and you know for a guy who's really not known for his power he runs tough man and I appreciate that um I really like Ches Lucy um he like you said 10 for 71 and a touchdown I mean he's only going to get stronger as the year goes on yep. you
0: know you gotta you gotta think he's coming back from injury so these are these are kind of like warm he was ups a new transfer last season so he's he was. still basically I don't remember what week he got hurt in but he's played less than 10 games with the Badgers despite this being his second year with the team yeah and a new offense
1: coordinator, a new system. So true.
0: True. We'll have to see what conference play, excuse me,
1: looks like. But I think Lucy, uh this week and going forward is going to be very, very vital to the, the Badger's success. I mean, people, you could talk about Braylon Allen, but that's like saying Aaron Rodgers is important to the Packers. Well, right. you fucking think?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Um, I went with Nick Herbig. Um, just because, you know, like I mentioned, he's been in the, he was in the backfield most of that game. Um, mm-hmm. he did only have three tackles, but he did have one and a half tackles for a loss and have the, the sack that resulted in a, an 18 yard loss. So, yeah. uh, I went with Nick Herbig as my underrated performer just cause he didn't have, you know, eye popping stats, but I do think he still made, um, an impact on the game. So I went with Nick Herbig. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned basically like the main thing that I was looking for, Um, for improvements so far is is Braylon Allen's run blocking or pass blocking. Um, I'm not sure if there's a ton of other things that stood out to you so far um, as we're three games into the season of of what the Badgers can improve. I think we're going to get some good stuff for this segment on Saturday.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm still watching the offensive line. I was big on it last week. Mm. I feel like they improved a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, but you got to take the opponent to a factor. So, I – you got to be mean on the old line, man. You got to want to just absolutely demolish that guy across from you. So I want a little bit more mean. I want a little bit more physicality, you know, because these guys can definitely take it. So that's what I'm going to be watching for. The The battle in the trenches is going to be big this week because, you know, Ohio state gets all the athletes. Yeah. So if we, if we can win that, that line of scrimmage, that'll go a long way to, you know, getting rid of that, talent disparity
0: so let me let me let me phrase this question to you let me pose you this question Uh so you're talking about the badgers offensive line being better and winning the trenches you go from potentially being in a position where you don't have you know maybe the necessarily the talent or the athleticism how can the badgers still control the line of scrimmage with arguably not as much talent
1: Well, I'll tell you this: uh, some of it also goes on the play caller, right? So you got to set your guys up for success. So we can't just drop back and hand the ball off and power eye all game. It's not going to work, right? You have all those talented players on Ohio State. They're gonna, they're gonna read and they're gonna react to that. So not only stretching them vertically, you know, with merch down the field, you know, give them some play action passes, let them dump some. He's shown he can
0: complete some deep balls. He's done it,
1: dude. He has great touch and great ball placement this year so far. I'm just going to say so far. But he's been he's been very good this year. So give him some play action. Give him some bootlegs. You have to stretch the defense horizontally as much as you do vertically. Get their eyes moving. These are still young kids, right? So if you run power eye and you run a good power run, say you get six yards, right? Now you set yourself up for second and manageable is what they call it. Now you got second and short, second and manageable. That play sheet goes like this to this. Second and
0: short is where you take your deep shots.
1: Yeah. I mean – and old school Badgers, they're going to probably try to run the ball again. And then they're going to put all the pressure on Mertz to complete a pass on third down. And you're not going to always complete the pass on third down. So then you put yourself behind the sticks, right? So, you know, do some play action passes. Let Mertz run for a, a freaking first downer once around. He's yeah. got enough athleticism to do yeah. that too. So you got to stretch them horizontally as much as vertically. Set your linemen up to win those matchups. Because all of a sudden, you're running power eye, right? He's running straight at you. The Guys can get used to that. They can mm-hmm. get used to running straight at you. Now you have Mertz or even a jet sweep, right? Run a jet sweep with, with yep. Skyler Bell. He gets a jet sweep going this way, all of a sudden the guy starts looking this way. You're like, oh shit, you know, I'm trying to push this way. And the guy's running I past said me.
0: that on Sunday when, when we were talking about Christian Watson being in use in some of those mm-hmm. um those end around jet sweep type things. What yeah. it does is it make it it makes it so that the defensive line can't just go north and south. Yeah. You get them even just a half a step going east and west. That's all that a six, seven, three hundred and thirty pound lineman needs to get you away and open up a hole for a running back. Yep. It's that split second hesitation that you're going left or right instead of up and down, and the Badgers' offensive line can move you. Yep. 100%. So it's just going to be, you know, when we're talking about how these things can improve, you know, Braylon Allen as far as run or uh, pass blocking goes. It's just going to be experience. He just needs more yeah. time doing it. Um, so, as far as the offensive line is concerned, it's just going to be keeping Ohio State guessing. I think is a way that the Badgers can improve the offensive line is to not not be predictable. Basically, I agree. All right, so let's let's move into the Badgers' offense versus Ohio State's defense. Um, what are you looking for from the Badgers' offense? Well, <clears throat> I wanted to start with
1: this. So, Ohio State's number three. We're unranked, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, I went into the ESPN Football Power Index, which is on the ESPN app. They have, I have Ohio a State. As well. Yeah, with an 89% chance to 89%. win. And Ohio State is negative 18, like minus 18. They're favored to win by this game, like by a blowout. And the over under is 57. So, they don't expect us to show up. So,. You got quarterback Graham Mertz. Everybody counted you out because you had a down year last year. You got a a linebacker, a running back. You got an offensive line that's, you know, not been playing great. You got a bunch of wide receivers that nobody knows about. We're going into a Columbus, Ohio, and we got a team that's averaging 39.3 points per game. That's pretty damn good in my opinion. 478.7 total yards, 260 pass, 218 rush, and – they are 14 to 30 on third downs. So that's 47%. That is 28th in the whole country. It's not bad. I mean, when you start looking at third down percentages, and you, know, you can look them up yourself. I can share the website if you guys want to, the website that I was on. But they're all really close. So being 28th, you're basically tied with like 10 people. <laughs> but you got a team in Ohio State that gives up their 22nd and third down. So we're going to have to win third downs. We're going to have to put ourselves in short and manageable, and we're going to have to use the goddamn play action.
0: We posted the Bernie Sanders meme I'm on Saturday, though, where once it, again, again we're asking for play action.
1: Play, this is the game for play action because you yes. know, Ohio State. You know, I look, tried to look up their defense, they don't have many defensive stats, surprisingly. for yeah, all the it's hard all to wins. find for
0: college football.
1: But. They don't have a lot of sacks, a lot of interceptions, but you know they have athletic defensive ends that want to get right. up the field and get the quarterback because when you go to Ohio State, you're really going there to go to the NFL. It's, a, it's an NFL factory, yep. point blank period. So run some play action. Get those guys running upfield. Maybe run a screen or two. I mean, why don't we run some more screens? The Packers run a lot of screens. Now we just integrated a, a new screen with uh, Romeo Dubs, <laughs> get the lineman out in front of him. We have a freaking convoy of people, you know, yeah. him, and it's, be- it's a beautiful thing to watch. So – Merch talked a couple weeks ago. I wanted to say this last part. I'm gonna give you the floor. He talked a couple weeks ago about wrinkles. You know, there's there's wrinkles in this offense.
0: I'm looking for more of those this week, and I think it's gonna be some screen passes. We'll I mean, see. if there's if there's a week to open up the entire playbook and say we're gonna throw everything we got at this team, it's against Ohio State. Oh, 100%. in Ohio, hundred percent. So for me, I'm I'm thinking like the confidence is the highest that it's been. In a while, uh, as far as the offense is concerned, you know confidence is high in their execution. Uh, The balance feels good between the run and the pass. It's going to be you know just needing Graham Mertz to stay sharp like he has the last two weeks. Yep. Um, It's going to be all hands on deck for the wide receivers. So everybody, like I said, Graham Mertz completed passes to six different players last week. All six of those guys and more are going to be needed. Uh, This thing is something that I that stood out to me is um braylon allen joked about it he said if we have to throw the ball 50 times so be it he was obviously joking the badgers aren't going to throw the ball 50 times but you know guys are guys are all in on doing whatever it takes to win um ohio state's defense i will say they held notre dame to 10 but let toledo score 21 yeah i saw that I was like and it wasn't all garbage time either like toledo scored 7 7 7 and then zero in the fourth quarter so it wasn't like Toledo scored 21 against all of Ohio state's third string defenders. True. Um, what I will say about Toledo, they only completed 12 of 23 passes, Mm. basically 50%. Graham Mertz is completing 71% of his passes this year. Yes, he is. So that's the matchup I'm watching is it's going to be Graham Mertz. I'm, I'm just going to basically all eyes on Graham Mertz. Um, I'm not sure if that's also the matchup that you're watching.
1: Yeah, um, you watch Wisconsin, you expect power run. You expect us to run the ball. So I also have Graham Mertz. Um, that's going to be a oh, great matchup. I think, you know, in the Badgers, we always talked about the mean quarterback away. He makes a couple throws this week. You never fucking know, man. And He's all a of a sudden, too. He's got all sudden, Wisconsin's back going. on the map, right? We're, yeah. back, we're right back on the map. We go to Ohio State and beat Ohio State. Nobody's gonna hold, you know. And, and then we go on a run. We just win a bunch of games in around five, six, seven, just like last year, right? And We yep. have the one loss, and everybody gave up after the one loss. They go into Ohio State. You know, to be said, I also have this pegged as a loss, not an eighteen-point loss like ESPN. Fuck like yeah. you guys. But you know, you never know if if they go into
0: Ohio State and they win, man, I might be talking some shit. So I'm gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so here's here's how I'm gonna transition this from the Badgers' offense to Ohio State's offense. The Badgers' top three running backs have 102 carries and nine touchdowns.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Ohio State's offense, their top three running backs have 82 carries and only four touchdowns.
1: Mm.
0: So, 20 more carries, five more touchdowns.
1: They try to sling it with Stroud. They want quarterback
0: recruits. That's that's pretty much all they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, I'm hoping... Uh, this, I don't have this as my X-Factor or anything, but I'm hoping the Badgers, that Nick Herbig can create some havoc in this game. Oh, what a game to
1: put yourself on the map, dude. Right? Primetime. <laughs> Nothing like Ohio getting State. yourself
0: drafted in the third round after having a big game against Ohio State. <laughs> well, you're going against <laughs> NFL talent. Um, So with that, that being said, C.J. Stroud is completing 72.9% of his passes. Mm-hmm. Um, It's basically just two guys. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Egbuka. Those are the two big guys. Um those two have combined for eight of eleven Stroud's touchdowns. Yeah, I felt like I was throwing up when I tried to say that one guy's name when I was looking <laughs> up fast, I was like, oh my YouTube God. magic. Well, I mean, like Emeka Mezi was in the, the NFL draft in 2022. So like I had the Emeka part and it's the same as Emeka Okafor. So like I had that. I had to look up Egbuka just to make sure I was saying it right, and I was, so I got that going for me. Who's uh um, you remember that one guy,
1: uh Simi Fidoko or whatever? Oh,
0: Simi Fahoko? He was playing yeah. a lot this last week. Because the Cowboys are out of wide receivers. But he was playing he had a penalty,
1: but I was so I was like, God damn it, I love that guy.
0: I know. I was like, I got really excited <laughs> for him. Like his stats were were awesome and he's coming out of Stanford. Then he doesn't get drafted by the Cowboys. Like, come yeah, on, right? man.
1: Same thing with Jake Ferguson, former badger. Yeah. That's all right.
0: They've drafted like tons of our offensive linemen though, so. Kind of yeah. used to that,
1: and their offensive line um, stays good. One of them so. was
0: one of them was Doug Free. He's actually from Manitowoc.
1: Yeah, he is. My mom
0: knows him. Um, so the other thing with Ohio State, they put up 763 yards last week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. That's that's all of the yards. Um, yeah, all, that is all of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them. That's yeah. There's literally no more yards. They 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 gained all of them. Um The other thing with Ohio State is they converted 62% of their third downs last week. Yep, they're pretty good at third downs overall. <laughs> yeah, I'm they're not making, sure. What are you six, looking for from the Badgers defense against Ohio State's offense?
1: They're still 62% on the season on third downs, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Not just one game on the season, um, which mm-hmm. is third in the nation. Do you want to know who's first on third down percentage for offense? It's Big Ten, that's all I'm going to tell you. This is it Minnesota? Yeah. You know who's first for defense? Also, Minnesota.
0: Huh.
1: I was like, what the fuck? They Minnesota. also
0: played New Mexico State. They did. So they won that, helps. They won that game 38 to 0. So, that
1: that helps the stats. I'll say that. Um, Ohio State's, a, I mean, obviously, they're just a straight up juggernaut. They're always good on offense. They're, they're good on defense, too. They're just good. Yep. Um, they averaged 565 total yards, 358 pass, 207 rush. And they're averaging 47.7 points per game. Now, take that for what you will. They've played Notre Dame, Arkansas State, and Toledo. Obviously, Tyler just told you they had 700 plus yards against um, Toledo last week. So that'll help the stats. Notre yeah. Dame is always overranked. I don't really care. True. Um, and Arkansas State is Arkansas State. So <laughs> um, neither team has really played anybody. I mean, obviously, Notre Dame was ranked number five, but. I they're literally I honest, out of the
0: top 25 already.
1: I literally feel yeah. I feel like they they ranked them number five just because they were playing Ohio State in the first week and they wanted a big juicy matchup. Mm. That's how that's really what I feel like. Like they they probably looked at Notre Dame like, is this team really number five in the country? Probably mm-hmm. not, but it looks good on the television screen. Um yeah, and then they and then they are out of the top 25, like you said. So they haven't really played anybody either. What I'm looking for. Is our front seven direct some havoc. Control the run. You know, they don't even have to get sacks, but just pressure Stroud. Make him uncomfortable, yeah. make him move in the pocket, make him flush. Fancy. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe make him pull a Justin Fields where he's five yards past the line of scrimmage and he tries to throw
0: it downfield. He was one. only two yards past the line. Come on, man. Give Bro. him credit. He was only way past the line. He wasn't way, way past the line. Dude, he freaking <laughs> threw the ball. And I was just laughing. I was watching. I was like, there's no, there's no fucking way that was legal. <laughs> <There's no laughs> Collinsworth is trying to make it sound good. He's like, well, he's only got to have one foot behind the line of scrimmage. Bro, now, he here's even... a guy who is two yards fully past the line of scrimmage, but he's only got a okay. Yeah, he's pretty far past it.
1: Yeah. How do you even try to make that positive? That's just one of those ones where you're just like, like, I
0: know Collinsworth is doing his job. But like, come on, Chris. Like, let's let's be honest here. He to call like it is every ball. once in a while, right? Call <laughs>
1: spade a spade, right? Like, yeah. Ju- I don't just think say he's something like he line. lost awareness where he was on the field. Yeah. Just say that. I mean, I know that sounds kind of bad, but that's <laughs> what happened. I mean, he was probably scared of Kenny Clark coming in there fast as fucking in because Kenny Again, was destroying yeah. that old line. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's what we got to do, Stroud. Man, make a so, make him have happy feet, and we'll see what happens after. What's that. the What's the matchup that you're watching from the Badgers' defense? <sighs> Again, I cheated, but C.J. Stroud versus Jim Leonard, and for this reason, mm. I think Jim's ability to create exotic blitzes and change zones on him. Change looks on him is going to be very key. The Badgers are very good at creating pressure from different areas. You know, 3-4, you can go crazy and do a lot of crazy right. shit. A lot of stunts. Yeah, yeah. I always talk about this when I talk about 3-4. You ever watch the Ravens? Oh, man, this is back in like 2015. One time, they literally put like seven players on the right side of the of the center. And it was just like, I don't know who's coming, but pick one. you know you only got three people over there so if all seven are coming you're fucked (laughs) so if you're if you're guessing
0: that you're gonna make a run to the other side like like go for it but yeah right if you're if you're passing or coming this way like you are going backwards you're going
1: backwards so i'm looking for jim to to mix some coverages and create pressure because jim has a good football mind so i'm looking for him to to win this game
0: So, you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like to me that both sides of the ball, so I'm looking also against C.J. Stroud, but I was looking at mainly the secondary because the Badgers were able to generate some turnovers last week. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds to me like the game plan for the offense is the same as the game plan for the defense. Mm -hmm. And both of the things are to keep Ohio State guessing. To not let them get comfortable, to not be predictable. That's Mm -hmm. what it sounds like to me on both sides of the ball for the Badgers. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Give me your, give me your X factor for the Badgers. All right. I talked a lot about Graham Mertz. My X factor is Braylon Allen. Okay.
1: Braylon Allen is my X factor for this reason. And this reason is one of the very many reasons, but his ability to break tackles and always fall forward and keep the chains moving is going to be very, very important. I talked about keeping yourself in short manageable, getting, you know, being productive on third downs Having a good power running back that can gain those three yards is mm-hmm. very, very key in that situation. Badgers like to control time of possession, so Braylon Allen, he's got it. This is his Heisman moment. That's all I, I'm going to say.
0: I've talked about it. that the like I know I, I banged on it a lot last week, but the Badgers' style of play, it does make them easy to upset, I think, yep. but I, it does also make it easier for them to upset other teams. So when you Great. bring up Braylon Allen as the next factor – I think that's important to mention. I went on the defensive side of the ball. I went with John oh. Um, uh, because he's he's had a couple safety blitzes. He doesn't do it often, but you know that's something that where you're talking about. You know Jim Leonard keeping the the offense guessing and and mixing up different plays and different styles of of blitzes and stuff. Um, so with John Torchio, not only I'm looking at that, but I'm also looking for him to help take away big plays. Um, just to not let Ohio State score seventy-yard touchdowns and and you know start running the score up to a point where you get that ESPN predicted blowout. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that maybe John Tortorella, being the ball hawk that he is, maybe he can get C.J. Stroud's first interception of the season.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Never know. So I wanted to throw that out there. Um, I do think Kamoe Latu could be. Important in that same regard, just as the other safety, he's done some good things. He's made some really nice tackles, um, yep. diagnosed some plays well. So, um, you know, John Torchio is the main one, but Kamoi Latu I think is also important. Uh, what's your key to victory for the Badgers?
1: Controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, I talked about it before, um, not just on offense but on defense. You cannot let that front seven uh, get in and tackle Brandon Allen for loss, or you know, force. You know, Graham merch to have happy feet or flush out of the pocket. And mm-hmm. on the other side, we have to stop the run. First and foremost, stop the run, make them one-dimensional, and then we'll figure it all out from there. That's all I'm going to say. Everything falls. It's like blocks. Everything falls in order once you stop the run. So we have to be able to run the ball, and we have to stop their run. That is the key.
0: So for me, I went with getting off the field on third down. Mm-hmm. We mentioned that Ohio State is 62% on third downs for the season. Last week against Toledo they were 11 of 13. Jesus Christ. That is that is just ridiculous for a third down conversion rate. Yeah. I don't care who you're playing to convert 11 of 13 for third third downs for first downs. That is insane. Yeah. So, getting off the field on third down is my key for victory for the for the Badgers. Now, we're going to do score prediction here. Jake and I talked about this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do, we're going to do two score predictions for every game. Now mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do one from the head and one from the heart. So Jake and I like doing this optimistic approach where we talk about, you know, all of our teams can win. Here's how, no matter who they're playing, mm-hmm. we, we do it for the Packers. We do it for the Badgers. Um, it's a situation where none of us on the Packers side of things predicted the Packers to go 17 and 0. So at some point we're going to you know have some losses predicted. But we also want to keep that optimistic mindset, so we want to give both. We want to give the analytical view of the score prediction, which is the head, and we want to give you know our optimistic viewpoint of how our teams can win, and that's going to be our score prediction from the heart. So we're going to do a head and a heart score prediction. So Jake, I don't know how you want to do it. If you want to do,
1: let's do heart first because we're always going to pick our teams with the heart, right? Right,
0: and and that's you know that's our optimism showing through. So uh, give me your heart score prediction. So if I'm
1: predicting from the heart, I have Badgers winning 28-27. One
0: point thriller in Columbus. Wow. I went Badgers with a late field goal 27-24. Whoa. Hey, I'll tell you this. Those are our heart predictions. Both of those will get your heart pumping. Oh oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Imagine imagine
1: a one-point victory and we sack Stroud on like a fourth down or
0: something. I'd be like, oh "Oh man. (laughs) I'd <laughs> be going crazy. i wake everybody in the house up. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, a late field goal, like a field goal to win in Ohio State. Like, oh. you know how loud that stadium would be? And then imagine Ohio State calls a timeout with three seconds on the clock. Oh. Oh. I mean, and it could know, potentially be the backup kicker. I haven't seen a, an injury report yet to yeah, know if I was going to play. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being a walk on. You got to go to Ohio State and eh, well. kick a potential game winning field goal. This oh, is what man. you signed up for, bud. Yeah, right? It's <laughs> probably more than you signed up for. Brian. True but, that. No, just, I mean, a primetime Saturday night football game against the number three team in the country in their building.
1: Yeah. Tough. Yeah.
0: All right. My, my heart's pumping now just thinking about that situation. Hey, think about that. Um, all right. Give me your head score prediction. My head,
1: I have Ohio State winning 35. Um, 35-
0: 24 we're pretty close on these um as far as margin victory is the exact same actually on this um with this one this is one of the badgers games that i had the badgers predicted to lose I, before the season i went back and forth between nine and three and ten and two either way this is one that i had the badgers losing mm-hmm. um, i went with 31 to 20 ohio state yeah
1: yeah um the head that's if we don't get the stroud stroud's just comfortable back there all day the heart, Stroud's gonna make plays. He's gonna be one of the top NFL uh-huh. picks. So there's no way around that. He's got that talent. He's he's an Ohio State quarterback, so he'll probably flop in the NFL anyways. But <laughs> um, yeah, that's a shot at you, Justin Fields and Bears fans. You like that one? Uh. But that's the the heart one is if the defense is actually playing up to par, yeah. up to their potential. And
0: um, and Graham Mertz staying efficient, I think is part of it for me.
1: Yeah, and I still gave him twenty seven points. So I have we always talk about this. You can dislike something. I dislike Ohio State a lot, almost to the point of hatred. I will not lie to you about that. But hate is a very strong word. I'm trying to take yeah. it out of my life because I have kids
0: now. But I still, I still hate the Cardinals them. and the Dodgers, and the, or I still hate the Cubs and the Dodgers.
1: I st- I still respect Ohio State because of how good yeah. they are, and they made they they make the Big Ten look good in bowl season most of the time. So can't complain with that.
0: Yeah. if if the Badgers can keep being better than Ohio State at basketball, like. They can have football, I guess.
1: Yeah, I would love a win against them in their house, though. That
0: would be that would be awesome. Because then
1: uh, I'm I'm going on Facebook and I'm going on a, on a, an Ohio State fan groups because I want to see what the hell they're gonna say. I gotta see it. Got
0: it. I, you know, this is this is a sad reality that this is exactly how this would go. But if the Badgers win this game, this is going to be the one where like people are realizing that Graham Mertz is actually good. Oh, I can't when wait we've been that, Week one. It'll be week four, and people will come around on Graham Mertz if he beats Ohio State. Yeah, they're going to be like, yeah,
1: Graham Mertz has been good all year. I've been saying that.
0: No, you haven't, Michael. No, it's good. no you know what it's going to be? It's not even going to be that, that I've been saying it for how long. It's going to be Graham Mertz is finally good.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right. They got to put that of shit in there. Yeah. Like, like, oh, he sucked last year, but now he's, he's, he's okay, I guess. I just don't want to be wrong, but I want to give him props at the same time. See, I'm mature. Yeah. No, you're an asshole, okay? <laughs> and nobody yeah, likes We've been you.
0: saying it for three weeks now, going into this game.
1: Yeah, we have.
0: Yeah. So listen to oh. us and nobody else's opinion. That's all you need. <laughs> Man, we
1: obviously if you think I'm about bad. think about our games. Like last week, we knew the Packers were gonna win against the Bears. We always beat the Bears. So we really we really played a cupcake game on our schedule. Bears fans probably aren't gonna like that, but Sorry, it's reality. I'm being realistic right it's now. That's the truth. Like that's what people want from me, right? They want they want us to be more realistic. The Packers always beat the Bears, so
0: that's the Bears are. I'm um, I I predicted four wins for the Bears, so I think they had 25 percent of their wins in Week One.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh. Wisconsin played New Mexico State, so we really had two cupcake games. Now you come to this week, we got the Badgers playing against Ohio State, our biggest and most hated rival, right? And then you got Aaron oh. Rodgers versus Tom Brady. Aaron Rodgers' biggest and, you know, not most hated because he respects him. They respect each other. They're both great right. competitors. But that is his biggest rival in terms of legacy. Yep, That's so, the
0: thing that keeps him down is, yeah. is being compared to Brady.
1: It's also a sign of respect, though, if you think about it, man. I oh, mean, yeah. a guy, a guy oh, yeah. with one Super Bowl <laughs> is getting compared <laughs> to
0: a guy with all those Super
1: Bowls. Exactly. That's the and thing. That's, that's like, how good know, he is?
0: The people you're compared to, that's, that's fair. I mean, if you get to a point where, you know, you're an NFL quarterback and you're being compared to Nathan Peterman, like – that would be rough. Yeah. I mean, Being compared I've been, to Tom Brady, isn't bad company, I suppose. I've
1: been thinking about my own legacy for a long time, man. And, you know, the legacy I want to leave is I, I want my great grandkids to be proud of me one day. So that's why I put in all this work. And one day you never know where we're going to be. Maybe we'll be sitting in an office next to each other talking about the Badgers versus Ohio State in 10 years. That's Who goals. Fucking knows, man. Goals. Fucking knows. But, yeah, man, we got some fucking good games this week. Wisconsin, Ohio State. Packers bucks i mean shit man you can't ask for anything Brewers, better than Brewers season. are in a
0: playoff push like bro it's the 3rd week of the NFL season already and and NFL are uh, the bucks media day is on sunday
1: yeah man oh man we got oh shit i'm going crazy i'm knocking my I shit i know over.
0: jake's over here knocking stuff off of tables freaking king kong on the empire state building over here
1: <laughs> when you really think <laughs> about it people and you know that like you can't take life too seriously and sports is definitely our escape from life. If you take it day by day and you just look at the, all the things that you get, you know, you take for granted that you have a house over your head and you have running water in your house, life ain't that bad, right? That's that's my two cents for the day because I've seen a lot of people bitching and complaining it's, and it's just.
0: There's always, it doesn't matter, the Brewers could literally lose the last 13 games of the season and Jake and I'll still spend the offseason talking about what went well for the Brewers.
1: Yeah man, you got you got to be positive man. Your life is not going to change until you change.
0: You are in control. Do you want to know a really sad stat? Yeah. Um this isn't a sports statistic. This is a people statistic that the average person will see 5 negative posts for every positive. Really. 5 to 1 negative to positive.
1: Uh,
0: and it, what really makes me sad about it honestly is is being in these sports groups and seeing people make positive posts and and trying to make things out of positive yeah, takeaways yeah. and stuff and then people in the comment section yelling at people to be realistic or to get your head out of the clouds or this is stupid like that shit makes me sad it make me sad too man i mean like there's, there's, there's literally nothing wrong with letting people be optimistic, you know, and if it if it bothers you that people are optimistic and you want to call yourself realistic or whatever you want to say, or I want to keep my feet on the ground or whatever you want to say, you know, at the, at, at the root, it's still pessimism. I don't give yeah. a shit how you want to frame it. It's still pessimism. If you're yeah. telling people that just because they're being optimistic, that they're living their heads in the clouds, that the pessimism means that you're just choosing to live in a mental hell. Great. Which man. would you rather choose to, you know, I don't, it's, it's not a competition for me that I would close. much rather take that optimistic mindset. And there's nothing wrong with letting other people do it. And if it bothers you that people are choosing that optimistic mindset, you might need to do some self-reflection.
1: You know, self-awareness is a very big key to life. And, Everybody, this is the thing that really, really gets me, and I don't know why I'm so deep today. I just seen so many freaking people just fucking complaining about nothing that needs to be complained about. It's just like I, I I have a little tiny platform, right? So I'm gonna try to use it for positive. But it's just like you gotta, you gotta be self-aware. And these are all these people that are like, oh, the world is a scary place. We gotta raise our kids to love. We gotta raise our kids to this. We gotta, we gotta teach them to to help each other. And then they go to work and they're just giant assholes all day. And then they go into sports groups and they're just they're killing people that are trying to be positive. It's like, which one do you want? Or they're the
0: first ones to to post a complaint when something goes wrong.
1: I want, you know, and my stepson's nine. So he's gonna complain, he's gonna be naughty sometimes. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, he was an only child, and now you know we have my daughter, so he's going from that too. So he's doing he's doing a lot of growing up, doing a lot of maturing right now. Sometimes I have to tell myself to breathe and just let him be a kid, you know, because he's going to be naughty. Mm-hmm. But there's those people out there that are just like, go in your room. That's the worst place to be as a kid. You know, when you get yelled at is to go by yourself because they don't understand how to handle these emotions. People mm-hmm. got to be better at teaching these kids how to handle these emotions every single day. And I'm not perfect. And I got to do better at that myself. But to be completely honest with you, man, I'm just sick and tired of everybody fucking complaining every day. <laughs> I really am. It's yeah. just like your life is not it, that bad. It you got literally a job, you got a house
0: doing all that complaining. It literally just it drains your mental health. It does. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's why Jake and I have taken the stance on I this just... that we have in the last year, year and a half, is that it takes the same amount of energy to be positive as it does to be negative. It's mm-hmm. so much more beneficial for your mental health. And honestly, so this is this is true. This is one of the things that, like I mentioned earlier in the show, that like I'm actually trying to learn and study these things is all the complaining and the shaming and the bashing and, you know, criticism, you know, you can call it criticism and try to say that it's, you know, you can keep your team in check or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's, it's still just negativity. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only does that cast, you know, potential views that other people can see that and it affects them negatively, but, you know, you don't realize it but all that complaining, it sets the same precedent for how you evaluate yourself. Yeah. Uh, so you evaluate all these professional athletes by all these standards that they don't meet and they won't meet. And then you're going to end up putting yourself in those same standards that you're not going to meet. And that's where that starts to drag down your mental health. I lived that way for a long fucking time and it fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having high standards.
1: Uh, there's nothing wrong for shooting for the stars. We're not telling you not to do that, but you know you got to be a little realistic with it too. You know, don't overwork yourself. Don't overextend yourself.
0: Well, don't um, don't fear failure either. It's better to yeah. try and fail than to not try and then regret never having done anything. True that, before. man. That's or, what... or to think about your whole life being negative and you know posting negative stuff on social media. Like right now, we're in a new position where none of the ninety-year-olds that are in nursing homes had facebook when they were teenagers and stuff but (laughs) people 20 30 years from now are going to have that and you know you're going to think back about all the stuff you posted on social media and you're going to think all i did was complain about craig council and say that corbin burns should be traded and you know all the people that like and laugh at your comments or you know agree with you disagree with you whatever you're just putting all that negativity into the world you know it doesn't only affect you it affects other people too true that Yeah, I like when uh, random people, like random fans on
1: Facebook pages, like there was a there was a couple times on Brewers pages. I didn't even click on the comments because I knew it was just gonna be a fucking circus. But Mm -hmm. I was like, "Look at this guy, man! He's trying to be positive about the team." I'm like, "Fucking a, man! I hope he watches the show." You know, that's just my first thought. You know, when you talked about, you know, don't be afraid to try shit because you you might fail. You know how fucking scary it is for me and you when we first started this show. Straight up, plain and simple, it
0: was pretty garbage. We had no idea what we were doing. Like we our, had first shows, our first shows were like 25, 30 minutes. It, they were, and they were bad. Like, I I, I was bad. We I'll, had, I'll, we had,
1: I'll speak for myself. We I was like, bad. I had no idea how to research. We didn't have none of the technology, none of this back setup. We had we had mm-hmm. none of that. You know? So when you first try stuff, it's, it's going to be hard. But you get you better work, at it. You know, you talked about adversity, and that was just such a great word, man. That is such a great word. We worked through that adversity, and we figured it out. So, yep. I'm proud of us. I want to be proud
0: of Wisconsin sports fans in general as a group. Yeah, I agree. We're the best, bit. For as often as we say we're the best fans, it doesn't show on social media, if I'm being honest with you. The David Bacchiarri thing is a perfect example of it. I'm honestly disgusted with 75% of our fan base when it comes to David Bacchiarri. Oh, yeah. It's straight up just disgusted. It's, it's bad. The way that people talk about him. It's terrible. And we've put our opinion out there on it several times. And we'll probably talk about it again on Friday. Andy Herman went on a a pretty solid rant about it yesterday. He and did he very nice tell, job collecting, He himself collected. Yeah. And you could tell it was affecting him. That, that people mm-hmm. are the way that they are about it. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, is sad. But that's hopefully something that we can hopefully drive some people towards us and we can have a conversation about it. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, that's what Jake and I are doing. And we're trying to relate that to people through sports. So um, hopefully we get some good wins this weekend between the Badgers, the Brewers and the Packers. Um, oh, and then man. the Bucks are starting up soon. So we've got that to look forward to as well. So yeah. at the end of the day, even if the Brewers don't make the playoffs, there's still going to be a 2023 Brewers season. Yes, there will be. So, and we're yeah, going to have a legal. lot of
1: exciting names next year. But for this year, we still have a lot of exciting names just on the pitching staff mostly. But yeah.
0: nothing wrong with that. Season's um, not over yet. So, you know, it's not over till it's over. Well, like I, I said, we'll have interesting conversation next Wednesday about the Brewers, one way or the other. Yes, we but will. Is there anything else you want to throw out there about the Brewers or Badgers? No. Just go get some wins, baby. That's it. All right. Well, if you want to tune in back in with us, we will be live on Friday night, back with Simon and Bryant, Friday night at 8, um, yep. talking about the Packers' win over the Bears and their matchup with the Buccaneers. So that'll be Friday night. So um, come hang out with us for that as well. Um,
1: Tim. I can, Tim I is the OG.
0: It. Tim is the OG Wisco Tim, Fanatics fan.
1: Tim, I, I got to be honest with you, man. Like, I truly, like, this is, like, literally coming from my heart. Yeah, Simon, you're so fired. I truly care about you as a person, you know, because like you you've been coming on this show for for years now. We could say years yeah, now.
0: Almost yeah. We're we and
1: are the, nine days away from two years of the show. You you are commenting on shit. Um, you brought us bobbleheads, which I was unable to retrieve mine, but Tyler is like a very, very good. Friend. I don't know. I kind of like having
0: twin Giannis's right there. I kinda like the baby Giannis from the game that you and I went to in like 2014. I still have that bottle head in its box. So I still you can actually see that Giannis has gotten taller because the box is actually a little bit bigger. (laughs) I have I have baby Giannis right here.
1: Um but Tim man, I truly care about you as a person. Um life's gonna fucking throw some shit at you. It's gonna suck. But if you if you like just keep trucking, everything will be okay. Um Simon. Yes, you do. Two times in one day. Damn. Well, see you. Are, you are definitely the winner at getting fired. I'll say that.
0: Yeah. Simon's Simon. number
1: one at something. He's definitely.
0: I told the him he doesn't game. get he doesn't get a bonus for a loyalty program for getting fired <laughs> a certain number of times. So here, this is it. Giannis has literally gotten taller. Even the bobblehead boxes is, is taller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Simon, you got fired on your day off just like Ice Cube in Friday. So I got, I got. Man something. said he got me on camera stealing boxes.
1: So we have, we have a group chat for our Friday Night backer episodes, and I actually heard a really great idea that I'm going to tell you guys. I just want to remind you to look for that message. Simon, you might not like this idea, but we could have a lot of fun with it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but, yeah, that's all I got. Hopefully we get some wins. And
0: keep your head up, people. Life's not that bad. Yep. Like I said, the thing that I would encourage people to do is to, instead of saying what sucks, say what can improve. And just try to look at it from that mindset. Uh, Thanks everybody for watching, commenting along. Um, We appreciate people that actually want to watch our show live and and interact with us. That's why we do the show live. So thanks everybody for watching and we will be back on Friday night. Yes, sir. Take care, buddy. See ya. Ah. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar.